What's happening, you fat bastards? This is Mike. And this is Jim. And you're listening to Podcast Croissant. Hi, Jim. Howdy, partner. How's things? Too long, my friend. It's been too long. I know. I know. Once again, thanks for your patience. It's always, it's usually me. Something's going on. Nah, I've been busy with work. Yeah? Yeah, not just you this time, mate. Good problem to have, busy with work. Yeah, yeah, a lot of fun. Well, mm-hmm. I'm back on the exercise again. Oh, good, good. You're doing your runs? Now I'm doing aerobics in my living room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I went to a family gathering a couple uh-huh. of weekends ago, yeah. and various aunties and uncles commented on how fat I'd got. Oh, One of my aunties nice. even said, slapped my belly and said, I never thought that a nephew of mine would get so fat. And oh, I was wow. Jeez, like, I know, cruel. Actually sounds like a scene from, you know, like I'm thinking Bridget Jones's Diary or Love Actually or something. Mm. Yeah, well, Very my English. family out that posh, so more like a scene from Shameless. Um, but yeah, I've become addicted to Downton Abbey. You were addicted last time we, so I guess there's just Did a I? lot of, yeah, yeah, you've mentioned Downton Abbey before. Oh, Abbey. Oh, isn't, right. Isn't, we hang on, and we had this conversation, wasn't Roddy or Bill a fan of? Yes, Roddy's a fan of Downton Abbey, I believe, yeah. Within the first three episodes, someone dies whilst having sex, and then boom, you're hooked. There's characters like Thomas the Footman, who's a sneaky bastard, and then there's Aunt Violet, who's just awesome. She's like this crazy old coot who says stuff like, um, You're a lady, not Toad of Toad Hall. So yeah, I've been improving my vernacular slightly, so if you hear me say poppycock during this episode, then you know why. Sounds, Sounds splendid. You've moved again. Are you a nomad? Yeah. Yes, I've moved again. Slightly different setup today. I, there, there might be a little in my sound. Well, I, I basically somewhere in my boxes are all the little, all my little knickknacks that get things sounding a little better. But in the, I like the room I'm in. I'm in like a loft. I just yeah, in a loft. Yeah, you sent me a photo. It looks rather cool. The planes still go overhead. I'm still in Marrickville in Sydney. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not so close to Grifter Brewery anymore, but I'm closer to Filter Brewery. Oh, it's good that you're near a brewery. Yeah. Uh, I'm near the, the, the Bolo. I'm near the Marrickville Bolo. That's, you okay. know, bowl, but that's a bowling I know club it well. in Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I like, I'm, very, I'm very happy with where I am. Did you see I got a new guitar? No. You didn't see my new guitar. No. Oh, I, I I tell a lie. I did see your new guitar because you sent red. me a photo of it. It's the same one that that dude from Chili Peppers has got. Isn't that, isn't that not correct? Correct. Even though I uh, have made it clear that I am a Chili Peppers fan, one of my all-time favourite guitarists is John Frusciante, and I love his Fiesta Red Fender Stratocaster. Also, Gary Moore had a Fiesta Red Stratocaster, and I swore to myself that one day... I would own a Fiesta Red Stratocaster, and I now what? own Fiesta. Did Jimi Hendrix play? Well, he played Strats, but he played he played a little. I mean, you know, most guitarists have varying colours, and they'll still move between different models. But the Fender Stratocaster has become my my go to. It's my favourite because all my favourite guitarists tend to end up playing Stratocasters. So exciting times! Jolly for good me. show. Yes. Old Bean. Oh, and yep, that's that's sort of that's sort of me. So I I hope I hope this uh, this this space sounds good to me, and uh, my partner and I we hope that we'll be here for some time. So, uh, but this, will you this though? Because be you move 
All the time. Yeah. See, the last place we lived in was like 20 to 30 apartments just all stacked on top of each other in a big sort of horseshoe U-shape. Everyone faced into each other and one person got a dog, then another person got a dog. And there's laws in Australia now where you can't reject an application if they've got pets or something along those lines. So if people have dogs and they say, I want to live here, you're not allowed to say no. So, mm-hmm. uh, or if they live there and they go, oh, I'm going to get a dog, then you can just get a dog. You just get it. And so lots of dogs in a, you know, in an echoey space and one dog barks at anything, especially a plane flying over every five minutes. And the next what thing, if they move, the what if they move in and they're like, you know, I think I might develop a, a heroin addiction and turn my house into a squat do they say, yeah, well, get out, mate. You can stay here as long as you want, you drongo. I've got a theory anyway. I think maybe you find a place and then the neighbour at first seemed quite friendly. You go yeah. over for drinks. You break yeah. out the good whiskey. You have one too many. Mm-hmm. You start shouting and kicking over furniture. You bring out the crack pipe. You're sick in the fish tank. You demand snacks. You begin to tell them that the music taste sucks. Ass and faith no more rule all. Yep. What do you mean you've never something heard I'd, of my pattern? I've got two laptops, cunt! And you fucking <laughs> knock him out. Next morning, you wake yep. up oblivious to your behaviour the night before. You mm. eat your breakfast, set off to work. You enter the hall at the same time as your neighbour. There's an awkward silence. It surrounds you both. What's his name? Is it, is it Bob? Is it Michael Balzari? I can't remember. <laughs> you hesitate as he suddenly memories of stripping naked and covering yourself in taco sauce come back. What did I do? For a moment, you both just stand there, sweating profusely, meeting each other's gaze. He takes a deep breath and says, This apartment black ain't big enough for the both of us. And it ain't me that's gonna leave. It's Podcast Croissant, the Faith No More podcast, episode 28. We talk about Faith No More, the songs, the albums, the members, the side projects, and I'll take any opportunity to shoehorn in a plug for my band, Ape BC. Sounds like ABC, but it's like Gorilla BC, Ape BC. This episode, we're taking a break from our Angel Dust series to talk about Sparks vs. Faith No More. Next episode, we will return to our favourite Egret Adorned album with Track 7, Malpractice. Write to us or send us a voice memo, podcastcroissant at gmail.com. Socials like Podcast Croissant on Facebook, follow Instagram at Podcast Croissant or on Twitter, who cares, at Pod Croissant. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. Well, I thought last episode was awesome. The best we've done yet. No apologies. No corrections, no complaints. It was an outstanding episode. In fact, it was a jolly good show. Uh, What do you think, Lady Violet? Vulgarity is no substitute for wit. It was a rather good episode, I would say. Seriously, if there's a podcast awards... We we should be on that shit. Oh, are the there podcast awards. We should we should send we should an be entered for it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah, someone out there should put us forward for it. Should nominate us. They should already know about us. Yeah, David Bowl nominators. Yeah, Ben. Well, Ben Brown got his jingle. So. Oh yeah, Ben. Yeah, definitely got to be Ben. Yeah, and I'd just like to say thanks to Bill Gould for being a jolly good sport and uh, joining in in last episode. That fun little piece of the Who Wants to Be a well, what was it called? A Penny Won't Do. The penny won't fun. do, yeah. Yeah, if anyone listening now missed that one, phew, jump back an episode, check it out. 
That was a good time. Yeah, well, we were good. Yeah, we were good. Mr. John, maybe not so much. Yeah, yeah, he's getting yeah. there, though. You know, he's showing enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, he definitely is, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, equally, I, I have no housekeeping. No, I don't, because we were so spectacular. We were just so on it. Oh, I've just logged into emails. Uh-oh. And, like, the second one down is from my wife. What's she been writing now? I didn't even Ruh-ruh. know she'd written, written one. <laughs> it's your emails! It's your emails! It's your emails! I have to say, looking down this list of um, emails, there's a few familiar names. It seems like we're gathering up a bit of a following. Yeah, I had a little, I had a little peruse. Oh, no, let me say that again. We're garnering... Is that the right phrase? We're garnering a little bit of a following. Is that the right? Is that the right word? Is that even a real word? Yes, we've got we've garnered. Yeah, we've garnered up a quite a good following. Yeah, it is that's all right, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, you can say that. Yeah, yeah, right. Say it. Yeah, I just did. I'm oh, you did. Again. You're right. Okay. Well, look, uh, as we usually do, start from the the bottom to the older ones and work our way up to the more recent ones. Uh, we've got one here from Wendy Copley. Would you like to read Wendy? Wendy? Oh, Wendy. Wendy. I like the subject and I like the opening part of it. I like her email. Have you noticed her email address? FNL.com. All right, everyone. Everyone email Wendy. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> Right. All right. I think you might have to beep a bit of that I'll out. Do a little, I'll do a little bleep. Yeah. Okay. You motherfuckers. I totally skipped number 26 because it came out on April Fool's Day. And given the title, I figured it was like 40 minutes long tops. I honestly didn't even think to see how long that episode was. Number 27, which was... I don't know. What was episode number 27? What are we on now? We're up at episode 27. Oh, so it was this last episode. Yeah, last episode. Rolls around yeah. and I realised that I'd never listened to the one before. What? Oh, right. Okay, I get you. Yeah, yeah. So I put this podcast on and the shit runs for almost three hours. Praying the Chili Peppers is a short proportion of his entire thing. Nope. Goddamn. You guys have stamina. Well played, friends. Totally adore that like every song was Jim's absolute favourite song. Keep up the good work. Big thumb. Cheers, Wendy. Wendy has written to us before. I was just having a little look. Yeah, she, she has. She wrote to us. She wrote to us way back episode four. Wendy. And episode 20. Wendy. Hey, Wendy. Like that. That sounds like something you'd do. Yeah. Do you know, it was funny with the... With that Chili Peppers episode, and you kept saying, "This is my," I might say, "This is my favorite song," and I didn't realize you were. No, saying you that didn't notice that would until that I was editing, and I think I wrote to him <laughs> and I said, "Did you just start saying that every song was your favorite?" <laughs> I think you said every sing- every single you were saying was your favorite, and I just I, think I just said every song. Yeah, I just didn't catch. I was on waiting until- for you to comment on it, and you nah. never did. <laughs> just didn't. Pick anyway, more emails. Thanks, Wendy. Thanks, Wendy. Oh, it's Ben Brown. Florida Man Brown. Okay, ready for the Ben Brown? Let's have the jingle. Ben Brown is likely no relation to James Brown, but possibly related to Jim Brown. Could also be related to Charlie Brown, but you can't be related to a cartoon character, silly. Ben Brown, he's Florida Man Ben Brown. Subject: I have made it. 
Thanks, guys, for giving me my very own theme song. (laughs) My mission on this planet has been achieved. I can now retire and be at peace. I'm glad that Cousin Jim, who everyone knows is the Faith No More Supreme Genius, shares my views on the special significance to Everything's Ruined, thereby inching me up the Faith No More Genius chart as well. Well, it could also be that Jim is a fantastic actor, since I was thoroughly convinced <laughs> that he knew everything there was to know about the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Blood Sugar Sex Magic. That was quite a bluff. Mr. No, John's bits in this much. episode were my favourite thus far. I would really mm. like some F&M themed insurance. <laughs> and then he's moving on, uh, and then he moves on into talking about favourite pattern moments, because I did put that call out. Eventually, at some point, maybe after we've got through all of Angel Dust... We'll do the pattern episode where we talk about... Ooh, that was a noisy car. I thought we'll we were yeah. he's, he's written another one. Ben's written... Of course Ben's written another email. So we get to play his jingle again. So in, we'll, we'll, in we'll one, save this yeah. one. I'm, I'm just saving. I'm just save actually going to go... Yeah, put it in, a, in one of your little folders. Ben, I'm not replying to you like I normally would. I'm just going to save here into create new. And I'm just going to create a little pattern moments... Oh, wow, we're not going to win any awards. And, uh, we're going to put that in there. That so, you know, everyone, if you want to have your email filed into the pattern moments, ready for that pattern episode, right on in, hey? Just going to slap my belly. Is yeah. it is it smaller than the family no. function, though? Like, is it reduced no, since you've done really. your aerobics? No. I can still see my willy. Oh, that's good. That's important. This is from Charles Tabone. 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 Do you reckon Charlie Tabone plays the trombone? Yes. Charlie Tabone. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we got Charlie Tabone. Man, I on the keys. Who was the other guy that we said sounded like you were in a jazz band? Oh, we read an email once. Ard Osterhoff. Anyway, yous are bloody fantastic. I I'm just, just want to... If, if my name was Charles Tabone, I'd be I'd be tempted to be uh, Chuck. Chuck Tabone. Chuck Tabone. Not Charlie Tabone. Yeah, I like Chuck. Sea Dog. Sea Dog Tabone. There you've got it. Sea Dog Tabone. Sea Dog Tabone. Okay, Sea Dog. Right, title of his... Lovely email is "Yous are bloody fantastic and the best for real." Sick. Yeah, it's a good. That's a good start, Sea Dog. Hi, Mike and Jim. I was lucky enough to be too busy to listen for a while, and I was excited because there were two episodes to listen to. One of them being the Red Hot Chili Peppers. (laughs) I was so cross. I was so pissed off. What kind of F and M and Pattern fans do this? Do they not know the history? Of course they do. They're just being cunts. I listened to about 10 minutes of it and I couldn't stomach it any longer. I felt like an F&M traitor. I was so mad that I contemplated unsubscribing completely. However, I couldn't go past hearing what yous had to say about everything's ruined. I was still mad though. But then, within 10 minutes of that episode, I realised yous were pranking and I was in tears from laughter. Mike and Jim, yous totally got me and I think that was an awesome prank. Bravo. Haha. Cheers, C-Dog. C-Dog to bone. Cheers, C-Dog. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at the date that it was posted... Yeah, you know what, C-Dog, you might be good with your fingers, but yeah. you ain't too bad, yeah, are you? Yeah, I appreciate that, maybe. No, but I'm not... No, you know wasn't. what? C-Dog's my new, new favourite listener, so I'm not going to slang him off. Do you reckon... Uh, what, was Johnny Heap... Was Johnny Heap... Johnny Heap's Johnny! 
he Johnny Heap. He could front yeah. Sea Dogs. Well, Johnny Heap hadn't written in Joe's in a long time. There. You have to it's keep up uh, massaging my ego if you want to be my favourite. Sea <laughs> Dogs, right, the new favourite. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sick. Cool. And, uh... Oh, I'll heard... read the next one. I'll read the next one from Kim. Okay. This, this, is from, this is from Kim. Hi. I am Kim, Web Development Manager, and I work with 120-plus experienced IT professionals who are into web design, website designs, web development, e-commerce development. May I know if you're interested in any services? If you are interested, I can send you our price list. Thanks and regards, Kim. A bit off subject there, Kim. Yeah, it's, but it's th- a funny thanks one. for writing in. She went to the trouble to actually write again and follow up. Yeah, no, I, she, I was she wondering if yes. you got a chance to review my previous email. I understand you must have been running a very busy schedule and could not connect earlier. Thanks, Kim. Fuck off, Kim. Oh, Sea Dog wrote a second time. Oh, Sea Dog. Sea Dog's already See, back. This is why. This is why he's my favourite new listener contributing. Part of the team already. Uh this is a bit What's of fun. What's he written about? Well. Go on. Sea dog to bone. Subject, living next to a giant stinking pit on a current affair. So a current affair is a nighttime, stupid, one of those news, sort of like 60 minutes or like a 30 minute version of 60 minutes. It's on weeknights. What oh, do you call that? It's, it's, it's news sea, journalism. Sea dog and bullshit. Where they go and hassle people and run after them in the street. Why haven't you paid your employees properly over the last? No, get out of my face. That kind of stuff. Just shit journalism. Bit like Kim. I mean, people should pay their employees, don't get me wrong. Oh, you've deleted Kim's... Why have you deleted Kim's email? I I filed it as spam. I needed to let Google I w- know. I wanted to refer back to it during the episode. <laughs> <laughs> there were some really good points that Kim made. Oh, shit. Oh, it's anyway, in, carry on. spam folder. Uh, so anyway, yeah, on a current affair, that's an Australian. So I guess uh, Sea Dog's Australian. There you go. Or, no, but he said he stumbled upon it. He could be watching it anyway. Who knows? It's on YouTube. So he wrote, Hi, Mike and Jim. You have to watch this YouTube video. 18 seconds in, a proper credible Channel 9 reporter from A Current Affair recites the lyrics to Epic in a serious news report. I don't watch A Current Affair. I just accidentally stumbled upon this and I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I had to call my wife, Cat over and rewind it and go like, Is that really what I'm hearing? And immediately she goes, Yes, it's the lyrics to Epic. Would love for you. To, yeah. So uh, here's a current affair reporting on the giant stinking pit. It's the smell from hell, a potentially toxic landfill plonked in the middle of suburbia, making life a misery for those living nearby. While homeowners demand answers, authorities are buck passing and dodging their questions. You can see it, you can hear it, you can taste it, and you can smell it. But what is it? And that is the burning question. That was fun. Thanks, Sea Dog. Thanks, Sea Dog. Mm. <laughs> uh, do you want to read? All right. Uh, okay, we've got one from Sue Denholm. She, she, she's written to us before. Uh, she has. When was yeah. this? We read, we read her out on episode 25. That would have been smaller and smaller, I think. Do you think a little profile photos uh, heart back to the Mike Patton photo and Jim Martin when where they're holding her? Little paddle pops. Yeah, after outside school to let kids cross. Yes, well, that's what it looks like. But do you think it's? A, are you saying it's a nod? Do you, do you think it's an intentional nod? Well, I don't know. Let's say that's what it unless is. Unless she's unless she's a, a crossing lady. She's on breaker dune. 
uh, we should get um, Mr. John to read this email. Hello again, Podcast Croissant. Bravo, bravo, bravo. I have finally bitten the bullet and listened to your full archive of episodes, and now I get it. As Faith No More fans, it's like we share a collective sarcasm derived from exposure to their musical approach, both vocalists' words and certainly their interviews. We're all daft buggers in the collective soup, and I think we need to acknowledge that this world is ours. Your F for fake April Fool Red Hot Chili Pepper episode was a masterstroke of evil genius pretense, like leaving a trail of custard on the stairs, and it had me guffawing a chuckle over a cheeky hot chocolate laced with croissier. My husband Blue now listens to your show as well, having previously only shown a vague interest in the odd single or video by the Faith No Moors. But in his own words, having their output dissected by the world's most careful Australian driver, interspersed with the rantings of a Yorkshire version of Jack Black on amphetamines, while meaninglessly dissonant oddball skits are played out by the least Scottish jock twat ever, make for a heady audio experience, second only to the band's entire back catalogue being performed by Seals, which I have seen and oh wow what a vision in honking. Looking forward to your further dissection of angle dust. I'm more of a real thing lady myself. Maybe you'll spill through that in the future. I command you. Especially looking forward to you waxing lyrical about the man-on-man blowjob song. Please don't ever venture into Phantomass territory, though. That shit toasts my balls. Plus, neither you nor Mike will be able to agree on pronunciation. It's fan to Yours sincerely, Sue Denham Brigadoon. Thank well thanks, Sue. That was Thanks Sue from Brigadoon. Thanks, Mr. John. <laughs> for putting a Scottish spin on this episode. Uh Right, next Good one's times. from Matty Hinchcliffe. Matty Hinchcliffe. Matty. Ice, ice, Matty. Hey. How many? On oh, subject, topical, sparks will fly. Oh. Hey, Michael. Hey, James. Hey, the other one. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been called James in, in years, man. I know. My grandma used to call me James. And that's my middle name, so it's really weird when someone says Michael James oh. so close together. Do, 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 do. And also, it's the name of three members of Faith No More. Whoa. Right, okay. <laughs> Let's read this one okay. from Maddie Hinchcliffe. Maddie Hinchcliffe. Maddie Hinchcliffe. Hope you're all doing well in Faith No More Land. I wish I did live in Faith No More Land. That'd be brilliant, wouldn't it? Can you imagine? We almost if there do. Were a place like. Like, can you imagine if there were like a like a theme park, Faith No More Land? Oh, wow. brilliant! Let's just take a moment to think about that. Just wanted to send you a quiet note to say how much I love this town ain't big enough and something for the girl with everything. I saw them play this time live the last time I saw F and M at Manchester Academy in nineteen ninety seven, and it was awesome. Guess what? I says, Maddie, we were in the same room, buddy. I was Ooh. at that gig. I was at Manchester Academy in 1997. It was the first time I met Bill. 
and it was a uh, it was a bit weird seeing him at Manchester Academy because it was such a tiny little room that was half full. Anyway, I digress. Um, that and this guy's in love with you had me and my mate scratching our heads. We recognised it, but we couldn't place it. Once I got the single, I was hooked. I think both this town and something are pattern vocal masterclasses. His growly, excessive tones sit perfectly aggressive. with Ron's. What did I say? Excessive. It's both, really. Excessive and aggressive. Mm. Uh, sits perfectly with Ron's high-pitched camp. Isn't Russell the singer? Yes. Good pick-up. Sorry, Matty. I'll still love you. Uh, anyway, I absolutely loved the song. It was in my F&M Top 10. I think it was wasn't in mine, mine, too. Yeah, no, no I think I had it in mine. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. You're confusing that with... Think of a funny Australian song, Jim. <laughs> Quickly. <laughs> You're confusing that with... Especially for you from Kylie Minogue and Jason Donovan. No, that's not funny. That's not funny. That's a good tune. I absolutely love the song. It was in my top ten. <laughs> We're doing all this again. <laughs> okay, read it, read it, read it. Okay. I absolutely love the song. It was in my F&M top ten. I think it was in mine too. Yeah. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was that. Savage Garden in it. <laughs> you can fly me to the moon and back if you be, if you be my baby. I fucking hate oh, Savage tune. Garden. I can't oh. believe you had him in your top ten. Anyway, I used to revel. I used to revel. <laughs> I used to like, love revels. And you They're to. nice. They love. I like revels. In banging out my version of it at the karaoke in the local pub, channeling my inner pattern. Ah, fun days. I love all the FNM covers, but these two are just amazing to me. They sum up the band perfectly and turn me on to Sparks, which is no bad thing either. Anyway, hope I got this in time and stay safe. All the best, Matt Hinchcliffe. You did, Matt. Cheers, Thanks, buddy. Matt. Yep, plenty of time because I was dragging my heels on this episode. But here we are. We were there in time. We got it. Woo. Oh, this is a nice looking one here. Subject to <sighs> my go. thoughts. Hey, losers. <laughs> I have recently listened to the podcasts whilst working and I have a few thoughts and opinions. I don't agree with any of your theories about the song Take This Bottle. Jim and myself had a very heated discussion about this the other night. Oh, really? We did. Let's elaborate soon. We did. Uh, Bill did refer to Jim and his FM friends as freaks. Fair enough. Uh, don't let Jim bully you, Mike. I feel he just constantly talks over you all the time. He does this to me. Just tell him to shut the fuck up. That usually works for me. <laughs> and lastly, my head is a normal size. <laughs> I don't know. I am sorry for all of my interruptions and outbursts during recording. I must admit, I have thoroughly enjoyed listening to you both. I didn't realise my husband can be funny. All the best, Lauren. Yeah, we did have a heated discussion about... You remember we spoke about Take This Bottle many episodes ago? Yeah. And I said when he says... Um, the both of you, right? You yeah, walk away the both of you. Yep. I, he was referring to um, having double vision because he's drunk. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I think you said... Uh, that he was because I think the kind of feel of the song is that it's about an abusive person and didn't you say something about it It was both of you was was the wife and the kid uh, no it was me it was definitely my feeling on it at the time yeah anyway she thinks the both of you is the person walk away is the person that 
you tell him to walk away, and the both of you, the other second person, is the bottle. Oh, so the the person who's the drinker is being told by the the sort of the yeah. victim of this relationship. The victim of the relationship is saying that both of you walk away. That's some big brain thinking there. Big brain, big head. Well, yeah, because she's got a big head, <laughs> <laughs> big brain in that big head. Yeah. Look, it's not, it's not a normal sight. And do you know what? I've noticed recently as well. Her ears, her ears are really small as well. She's got this huge bulbous head and these really small ears. Oh, I love All right, nice to hear from you, baby. Lauren. And um, yeah, we are my belly's starting to look like a red. <laughs> When's your missus going to write in? She, you know, she supports little thing that we have going on here. But uh, yeah, she um, she's got better things to do. She has said to me before. Sorry, I don't listen to your podcast. I just... Oh. I saw your little car karaoke, though, with Lauren, doing Just a Man. Fuck, you must be so proud. That's amazing. Mm, yeah, should we drop, yeah, in, a, should we drop in a little soundbite of Lauren singing Just a Man quickly? If you like, yeah. She'd love, yeah, she'd love that, wouldn't she? Oh. Ooh, baby, I love you every day. All right, well, you choose the sample and you send it. All right. You choose the sample we're going to drop in. (laughs) No, we'll do. We we are a fifth of more podcast, not a big mountain podcast. So, yeah, maybe we should stick to uh, Faith No More. Anyway, have we got any more? Oh, we've got we've got Ben Brown. Let's get on. Okay, let's, okay. Let's t- do we play the jingle the again, or do we just read it? Yes, of course we play the jingle. Anytime Ben's mentioned, we play the jingle. Ben Brown is likely no relation to James Brown, but possibly related to Jim Brown. Not me. Could also be related to Charlie Brown, but you can't be related to a cartoon character, silly. Ben Brown, he's Florida man. Ben Subject, Sparks. It was instant love for me when I heard Faith No More versus Sparks. I wish so much that the band would do more of these kind of collaborations. I've gone out and gotten a bunch of Sparks since then, and I love it all. Can't wait for the documentary. Ben Brown. Cheers, Cousin Ben. Agree. Cheers, Florida Man Ben Brown. Well, we're we're, going to find out, aren't we? Over the next, what, say, 52 minutes, if we like this song or not. Old Bean. Yeah. I'll tell you who does like this song. Lady Violet. You know me. Never complain. Never explain. Hi, I'm Mr John. I'm here today with some made-up facts about Sparks, a band that you might know as working with Faith No More in the 90s, but I knew them before that because I'm really cool and know stuff and read books and things and listen to music and stuff in the real world. Mr. John's Facts About Sparks, the band. Fact one. No one actually knows this, but the Sparks brothers are in fact brothers. They were born in utero, that means from the same womb, and not the Nirvana album about screaming death. Factor of two. If you live on a farm, you can listen to Sparks for free. Fact. People often say, sparks might fly, but that's not sparks, it's planes and birds and me shoving people off cliffs, technically falling, also murder. 
Fact, fact. Sparks' most famous album is an album called Kimono My House, which is just nonsense, like everything I say, or Faith No More, or System of a Down. I mean, what do those things really mean? Slayer. Of what exactly? God, Bands, can you come up with some proper ideas here? Give me a fucking bone. Please note, giving Mr. John a bone is not a double entendre. It's merely a hobby. Fact me. Sparks keyboard man Ron me has a keyboard that's spelt wrong. That's right, it says Ronald. It should say Korg. Daft bastard. Most of Sparks' output is available in a TDK SA High Position IEC 2 Type 2 cassette. Oh, we oui, oui, a cassette. Cassette, magnetophone. Oh, cassette. Uh, uh, magnetophone. Oh, we oui, we oui, oh, we oui, we oui, uh. Which I recorded in 2003. Join me next uh, for more facts about. Show topic. Show topic. Yeah, very good. Show topic. Well, I mean... Show topic. Show topic. Okay. Show topic. <laughs> <laughs> so we had the idea just to break up the angel dust thing, just to keep things... Break things break break things up for us a little bit. We decided to do this Sparks episode, and I think it was it was a couple of months ago when I said to you, "Why don't we do that?" Because they got that documentary coming out soon, and at the time it had only shown at the the film festival. And we've now had some premiere screenings, and it is on its way out. I think it's uh, we've got that information on the documentary. I'm sure handy on when that's coming. But uh, I've got my ticket. It's not showing in Sydney. Uh, Dendy Newtown is showing one screening of it on the 8th of July. So that's when I get to see it. Um, I don't know, even know whether it's out at UK cinemas, to be honest. I, I don't either. I, I don't think I would go to a cinema to watch this particular film. Oh, I will. I think I'm going I'll, to. I think I'll wait, wait till it comes out so I can sit in the comfort of my own room. Well, I'm a club member. I'm a club member, so my ticket's a little bit cheaper. <laughs> If I if I'm going to the simmer, I want to see someone shot <laughs> on screen or you know, <laughs> no, yeah on screen. Yeah, yeah you're not yeah. in the states. I'd always see some special effects, and you know, I don't the, the arty, more arty type films. I tend to prefer to watch at home, um, so I can get more involved in them. I think the cinema for me, it's, I need to be going to see a Star Wars film or a, a Marvel film. Something I'm really excited about. Do you know, I was looking at my club member. We'll get on the show topic in a second. I was looking at my club membership mm, for yeah. Dandy. And it, uh, it showed me the, the the two things that I've seen there uh, mm. with my with my club membership. And I just realized I've missed one. There was one other one that I saw. But uh, I saw Sia's music, you know, the music that Sia f- offended so many with. The, yeah. the movie about the autistic girl and... No, uh, so I saw that one there. Um, See the chick with the air that comes over her eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went and saw that. I it, it's it's sort of like an hour and a half long Sia music video. It, oh, okay. I didn't really enjoy it that much. But then there was also I saw the Zappa documentary. So oh, okay, yeah. The, the two things listed in my in my history of attending Dendi this year have been um, music-related. And then I'm about to go see Sparks. 
Wow, all music. <laughs> I think the next thing I'll be going to the cinema to see is the Dog Tanyon and the Musker Hounds film. The yeah, what? Looking forward to that one. Dog Tanyon, you remember Dog Tanyon? What? Nope. All right, all for one. Musker Hounds are always ready. Or maybe it's a UK thing, that. Yeah. It's, it's on at the cinema. It's like a kid's cartoon. I'm taking kids to see it. Oh, no, yeah. never heard of it. That'll be the next thing I go see. So Sparks have a song called This Town Ain't Big Enough for Both of Us. They do. And we're going to talk about it. We are. Now. Yeah, so Faith No More released it as their last single before the hiatus. Now, people are going to say, whoa, hang on a minute, what about I Start a Joke? But that was released by Slash, the record company. It wasn't actually released by Faith No More. Oh, So they released it on December the 1st, 1997. And... If I just refer back to that old Faith No More followers song poll we did, Mm -hmm. for those that don't know, the website that I'm part of running, I always say it's my website, but it's not really. Well, it is, but it's not. I have other guys. It's not just you. Shout out, Scotty. Shout out, Scotty. It's not just me. Love to have you on the show. Shout out, Louis. Shout out, Louis. Yeah, so we did this Faith No More poll of all the songs that Faith No More had recorded. Not, you know, the ones that just played right, the recorded ones. I think there's 106 altogether mm-hmm. and overall this town came 76 out of 106 so quite low oh. and something with the girl with everything which we should also discuss in this episode yes came 83 oh now out of covers so the 10 covers that faith and more have recorded mm-hmm. this town came number six mm-hmm. and something for girl with everything came 10 oh the bottom oh that's that. Uh, the covers episode is one that's sort of down the track. I mean, we'll probably yeah. gloss over these two because they're being discussed here. Uh, but we should discuss that top ten as well. In you know, do it as as that order, perhaps. Maybe. Yeah. Cool. Bill Gould said in 1997, they found out that we were fans of theirs and have asked us to appear on their next album. That's just fucking amazing. Sparks were the first really campy, operatic-type band. I always thought Queen ripped them off. Ooh. Strong words there, Mr Gould. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought, I thought, Jim, perhaps, you know, we, we usually dissect the songs, but there is a bit of discussion. I don't know where my accent's going right now. I was sort of putting one on, and then I sort of gave up partway. But that's cool. Yeah, what do you think to his accent, Lady Violet? Did you like it? Certainly not. Oh, do you think I might have a drink? Oh, I'm so sorry. I thought you were a waiter. So I thought perhaps we could move our way between... <laughs> Thanks, Lady Violet. So I was thinking perhaps we can talk a little bit about the release of the song, the song itself, other iterations mm. of the song a little bit before we just mm-hmm. do then our breakdown of the Faith No More version. Okay. Shoot. Shoot. Well... <laughs> Why don't I sort of start with some of these notes, and then if you want to interject mm. or elaborate, I will. Or see, see where this, will. see where this goes. We're so we're so good at this. It wouldn't be podcast croissant if you talked for more than a minute without me interrupting. <laughs> this is where I'm supposed to tell you to shut the fuck up. I think it doesn't feel right. I know. I I can't can't do it. So our relationship's much stronger than sh- Big Ed. Sh- <laughs> So this town ain't big enough for both of us. Released in 1974, both as a single, but the opening track 
on their third, Sparks' third studio album, Kimono My House. It was a lead single, and it reached number two in the UK singles chart. Now, there was a little bit of uh, of discussion. Now, there is actually... A nice little audio snippet that I found uh, on on YouTube. And I might just drop that in because they talk about the key of the song and the unusual nature of it. It's a good little good little summary direct from the the, the mouth of Ron Mail. So we've got Ron and Russell here. Uh, just going to tell us a little bit more about the song. Take it away, guys. This is a song called This Town Ain't Big Enough for Both of Us that I wrote in Clapham Junction, actually, in a cold, damp flat at the end of 1973. The way I like to write songs is to have no regard for the singer or the rest of the instrumentalists. Which is a hell of a lot of fun for me to have to uh, put up with those constraints, but nonetheless. If a song sounds good to me when I'm playing it, then to me it's a good song. Lyrically, I've always been influenced by cinematic images, and so uh, this town ain't big enough for both of us is probably cliche number one for American films. and felt natural for this song. Uh, Contrary to many people's ideas, it has absolutely nothing to do with Russell or myself because anything autobiographical shouldn't be in a song as far as I'm concerned. Thanks, Ron and Russell. Do you know some of the history of the song? No. Well, I've got some. What are you going to... Yeah, I found some notes. So from The Guardian in 2006, Russell... This, so this is, sorry, this is Ron talking, the keyboard player from Spax. Russell and I moved to England after two unsuccessful American albums. Island Records had faith, but we didn't have any songs. Our parents were living here, and on Sundays I would take the bus to Clapham Junction. There was a piano in their flat. One Sunday, something happened with that song. At first, I didn't think of it as special. It was called Too Hot to Handle or something Inane. The line, this town ain't big enough for the both of us, is a movie cliche. A challenge from one gunfighter to another. But having a song that was the opposite of a cliche, but used a cliche line, really interested me. The vocals sound so stylized because I wrote it without any regard for the vocals and Russell had to adapt. We were shocked when the record company thought it was a single. But doing Top of the Pops had a tremendous effect. Suddenly there were screaming girls. We recorded it during the energy crisis and we were told that because of the vinyl shortage it might never come out. Yeah, and a Sparks fact! Elton John bet Sparks producer Muff Winwood that this single wouldn't crack the UK charts, but Elton was proved wrong as it reached number two. Sparks fact. I, I like that more as a fact, even though uh, there's a little little paragraph in Wikipedia that sort of debunks that Elton John fact. Oh, does it? Yeah, see, I, I, I always go there just for my quick little resource, and then I go, you know, a little bit further. But there is a... Oh, fuck. Now I should probably bring it up, shouldn't I? So it has been claimed that producer Muff Wynn would bet with his friend Elton John that the song would become a top five hit on the UK singles chart and that Elton John saying it would not lost the bet, right? But mm. in his Sparks... Bi- Ooh. <laughs> Sounds like you've got a werewolf in the room here. In his Sparks biography, Talent is an Asset, however, Daryl Easley reports that this was a great tale propagated by the Mail Brothers that is con- contradicted by Winwood himself. In fact, Winwood said that, unsure of how commercial the track would be, he played it to Elton John, who told him, listen, I'll bet you 100 quid that it, that, that makes the top three. 
Winwood's wife agreed and his doubts were allayed. So I just want to throw this in here because that works really well with a point I was going to make. So Sparks were an American band who didn't really succeed in their own country yet found fame because of their awkward, eccentric, quirky performance and uh, recording style in the UK. Now, who does that remind you of? Um, I'm not sure. Let me think about it. Right, so back a few episodes ago when we did our um, the BBC Sessions episode, I think I did have a little rant on about Faith No More and their relationship with the UK. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you, you can find quite a few similarities between the history of Sparks and the history of Faith No More. And this also drops in there as well. Faith No More used to propagate stories and, and make up all sorts of stuff. You know, the, obviously the thing about the blooming fish at the end of the epic video belonging to Bjork. There are a lot of parallels between the two bands, which you can see why Faith and the More were attracted to covering their music Mm. and Mm. why Mm. Sparks were attracted to Faith and the More doing their song. Yep. Makes sense. And obviously Mm -hmm. uh, Roddy Bottom in particular is a big fan. He is, yeah. I've got a quote from Roddy. Oh, Sounds like a good time to throw it in. Yeah, do it. Uh, Wear both real oddball outfits and we like to push buttons. I get the sense that Sparks put a lot of thought into their presentation and how they come across. Faith Amor does too. We started employing ways to mess with our audience early on. And then this article, wherever I've stolen this from, I can't remember, it says that he and bassist Bill Gould have been hooked since they were kids. In 1975, they first heard the song on American Bandstand. We were smitten says Bottom. We rode our bikes up to the weirdo record store and inquired within. There was an ambiguous Bowie Bowie? 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 <laughs> type rocker with earrings and coloured hair who we were able to confide in. It kind of changed our lives. So, a nice little quote there from Roswell Christopher. Bottom the third. Well, did you grab the quote from the, the, the actual film that the this town ain't big enough for the both of us? No. In the film The Western Code in 1932, it's uh, the actor Wheeler Oakman as Nick Grindel. I take it, and it couldn't be Grindel. It could be Nick Grindel, Nick Grindel. I must admit, I haven't seen the 1932 film The Western Code. But uh, our character Nick Grindel Grindel says, I'm getting tired of your meddling. This town ain't big enough for the both of us, and I'm going to give you 24 hours to get out. Mm-hmm. How'd I do? Was that nice. okay? More Clint Eastwood than Nick Grind... Grind... Grind ass. I don't know. Is, is. But uh, look, if I can find a soundbite of that, we'll, uh, we'll drop that in here. No, I couldn't find one. And we either heard one or we didn't. Mm-hmm. Cool. Now, uh, so to continue from releasing it in 1974 on their third studio album, Kimono My House, there was an acoustic version released in 1985, 11 years later, as part of the Change Ooh. single. It was a B-side on the Change single, uh, being the oh. acoustic version. Now, Change was from their 14th album, which makes yeah, you appreciate okay. just how prolific this band is. Uh, their 14th album was called Music That You Can Dance To, which I think is a great title. Yeah, the acoustic version, very, very different feel. 
zoo time Is she in you time? The mammals are your favorite time And you want her tonight Heartbeat, increasing heartbeat You hear the thunder of stampeding rhinos Elephants and tacky tigers The sound ain't big enough for the both of us I've not heard it. Nope, I didn't even know it existed. Well, I just dropped in a sample just there. So Learning. You, you, will, you will enjoy listening back over this episode, I'm sure, Jimothy. Yeah. In 1997, 12 years after the 14th album, they, after. their prolificism <laughs> slowed down. Is that a word? Their yeah, it definitely prolificism, is Their 17th album, Plagiarism. Now, Plagiarism is an odd album. It's basically covering themselves. They did a few reinventions, a little bit of a little bit of re-recording, and a few collaborations as well. Yes, they worked with Tony Visconti. He produced their fifth album, which was called Indiscreet. But Plagiarism features reworkings with uh, choral and string arrangements. So both this town ain't big enough for the both of us, and also something for the girl with everything, which we'll get to soon. Uh, were both uh, done as, you know, with the, these choral and string arrangements. Mm-hmm. Now, I kind of feel, just personally, there was almost a bit of an, an injustice in this instance because I went ahead and bought both the single and the album because Faith No More were on it and thoroughly enjoy the Faith No More collaborations. And I wasn't really that into what I thought were the originals of Something for the Girl With Everything and This Town Ain't Big Enough for Both of Us. And that's because on plagiarism, there are these string arrangements. Now, they're interesting. And if you're a big, big Sparks fan, you know, it's, it's still nice to hear a different arrangement of a song that you like. And look, I'll just drop a little sample of This Town Ain't Big Enough for the Both of Us. And you can hear that it's quite different. But I didn't know until just very, very recently, beginning to prepare for this episode, that there was an original version prior to what I had heard on plagiarism. Because I just didn't get it. I didn't know. Did you know? I did. Mm. I knew it was released back in the 70s, but I'd not heard it. Until I mean, I've, I've I've listened to it in the last ten years, maybe, but I didn't listen to it back when I heard the Faith No More version or Seek Sparks Out. And I will drop this bombshell here. Oh, not a fan of Sparks. Look, unfortunately, fair enough. It is. A bit, I, it I is really a bit like different. this town ain't girl. Uh, this town ain't girl. This town ain't big ain't enough. Girl for with everything. The Faith No More. Yeah, version. But I'm not hugely keen on. Something for the girl with everything, even with Faith No More on it. Ooh. And yeah, I'm I'm not a Sparks fan. Okay. So I was aware that there was a 1974 version, but I thought the version we heard on Plagiarism was that, not realising that that was a reworking, and I just didn't understand the sentiment of Plagiarism because I never really stopped to come to understand it. So plagiarism now apparently in the documentary they sort of skim over it so they don't seem to be hugely proud of themselves for it i believe it was our friend andrew bowie 
creator of FNMLive.com, online archive of the most complete and accurate listing of Faith No More's concert dates and set lists. He got to see the premiere of it in Mel- Melbourne, and he, he said that they, yeah, glossed over it pretty quickly. It's been covered at other times. Uh, Susie and the Banshees, on their 1987 album Through the Looking Glass, did a version of it. And I'm going to say it sucks. Okay. It sucks sure it does. because what I like about This Town Ain't Big Enough for both of us is the whole, like, This Town Ain't Big Enough for the both of us, like the very staccato delivery. We'll, we'll break down the song soon. But that really staccato delivery is sort of what makes it half appealing. Like, that's kind of the... Uh, uh, it's the allure. It's it's the intrigue. It's the interest. Like it's quirky. That's the quirk. Mm-hmm. And Susie and the band. She she does this more sort of like drawn out way of delivering it. Uh, we still get the planes where I live. I'll I'll drop in a quick little snippet. Not a fan personally. And in 2005, in August of 2005, you heard of Justin Hawkins. Do you know who Justin Hawkins is? From The Darkness. That's right. Singer of The Darkness. Oh, I, I can ima- I've not heard this he version, but I can imagine his voice would suit to it quite well. well. peaked at number six on the UK singles chart. Did it? Yeah. I don't remember that. If you watch the music video, we've got our mates Ron and Russell in the music video. Sparks Boys. Just, okay. you know. Don't rem- no, don't remember that version. Yeah, and you know, I, I didn't really love it. It was more listenable than the Susie and the Banshees version. I think the thing about Justin Hawkins is he can sing high and he can sing high strong. And I think what makes this town big enough for both of us interesting is in Russell Mayall's vocal delivery. The way he flips his voice around, that it sort of goes a bit thinner and thicker depending on where he's at sort of in his range and in the melody whereas Justin Hawkins just has this way of delivering it where it just sounds strong throughout like he leaps around those notes like nobody like nobody's business you know Mm -hmm. and it sort of takes away from the fact that it's almost it's too easy for him to sing poppycock (laughs) yeah I just I just wanted to fit that word look fair enough Look, our friend uh, Andrew Bowie, Alec. creator of FNMLive.com, online archive of the most complete and accurate listing of Faith No More's concert dates and set lists, also made a comment that it sort of bugged him a little bit, that uh, it's titled This Town Ain't Big Enough for Both of Us, but they sing This Town Ain't Big Enough for the Both of Us. But they do sing This Town Ain't Big Enough for Both of Us in the original, the 1974 version. Yeah. Not every time. One but... of the times. So I just want to drop in a little sample just for you. Andrew Bowie. 
laughing and I'm fucked. So the Faith No More version of this song was recorded at Coast Recorders in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. The same place that Angel Dust was recorded. Oh, did not know that. What a gem. What a gem of information. And also, CTS Studios in London is where they recorded something for the girl with everything. They recorded in different studios. Wow. Mm-hmm. T-I-L. Now. T-I-L. That's, that's internet for today I learned. Love's toilets in love. It's not that. <laughs> uh, so, many, many, many moons ago, I'm going to say it was in 2017, quite possibly for the 10th anniversary of this song. Would that be the 10th anniversary of this? No, 20th anniversary of the song. My math isn't great today. We have time um, flies. I, I just spoke to Bill, Bugger Daddy. Our Bugger Daddy. Yeah. Bum, bumblebee bugger daddy. Um, and I just I just asked him a few questions about the song. It turns out that Dean Mentor plays guitar on the song, not John Hudson. That was my mind and being exploded. Yeah, because when, you, when the single was released, obviously there was those photos of the band on the front that were superimposed on the target. Yes. And obviously... Uh, John Hudson's included. Yes. But John Hudson is not on guitar on this recording. No. It's Dean Mentor. Yes. Uh, and Dean also plays guitar on another song on the album. Yeah. Plagiarism. Funny Face, I think it yes. is. It's called Funny so Face. So, for this episode, I thought I would reach out to Dean. Sick. And Dean replied to moi, and he said that, because uh, I did, I asked him if he had any memories about this studio recording, and he put, my only memories were of meeting the great male brothers and having many laughs with them. I'm really grateful because I'm still close friends with them to this day. Also, playing something from The Girl With Everything was amazing, as it's one of my favourite Sparks tunes. But Dean obviously went on, when he parted ways with Faith No More, to play for Sparks. And um, he played on various albums of theirs. He contributed to plagiarism, obviously. He played on Little Beethoven, in 2002, he played on Hello Young Lovers in 2006, and he played on Exotic Creatures of the Deep in 2008, and The Seduction of Ingmar Bergman in 2009. Now, I also believe he played on Hippopotamus, because they Sparks posted a photo of him on their uh, social media, but I can't remember when that was released. How do you like that shit, motherfucker? Now, did Heap of play live as well? Did he tour with Sparks at any point? Or was it just random recordings here and I, there? I, I, I think just recordings, I believe. Yeah. I, but if you know any better, write in and tell us at podcastquassant at gmail.com. It's all of that information was all new to me until as we were preparing, you sort of filled me in a little bit and said, yeah, Dean, Dean was on the recording and Dean's... Yeah, Dean's, I knew that he was. Yeah. I've not really got any kind of confirmation of when this was recorded but from a process of elimination it wasn't recorded during the sessions when dean recorded the stuff for king for a day food for a lifetime Mm -hmm, mm b-sides such as i started a joke grainfields so i'm guessing this was recorded sometime in early 96 is it possible after the after, after the tour had ended yeah but is it possible it was uh, done mean, during it, it touring? Could, like, if they recorded well, it? it. it th- that is very possible with this, the second song being in London. Yeah. Yeah. But I do believe that Dean isn't a fan of actually leaving America. 
Is that right, Lady Violet? Curious. He hates to leave America. I should hate to go there. Thanks, Lady Violet. You know, it's yeah, funny that they... On the show. It's funny that they wouldn't just put Dean... You know, like, because Dean was in promotional photos for the tour, you know? Yeah, but when it... Because when it, it was released according to Sparks' schedule. Yes. when John was in Faith No More. Yeah, when John was in the band, I would have thought that would be unfair on John to, to put Dean's face on it and confusing for the fans as well. Yeah. Uh, I'd like to make it... I'd like to bastardise the the cover and put Dean's face on there. Oh, maybe I should do that in Photoshop. Yeah, let's do a little... Let's do a and little... And we won't share it on his socials. Let's not share that on the socials at all. No, let's not. What's that? Oh, there's like... um, You've got Injustice For All from Metallica, which Jason used to... It was his first album on bass and the, the album itself notoriously has no bass. And someone re-recorded the bass parts over the top of it and it's called Injustice For Jason. So this is sort of like justice for Dean. It's not really the same scale at all, but... No, it's not. Right, let's move yeah, on. Yeah, absolutely. So Sparks' ninth album... I'm just. I'm, oh, right, we're still talking about Sparks. Yeah, no, this okay. is just a little spark tidbit. Not quite. I've told you not to do No, that. well, that's why I did it a little bit different. Terminal Jive. Oh, yeah, I like this little... F- Go on, I'll let you... Yeah. Well, first pointed out again by our good friend... Andrew Bowie. Why did he just fucking come on show, man? He he pointed out that he hadn't noticed. Start your own little podcast. So here I was looking through. Andrew. Yeah, ran, Bowie, random Bowie, Bowie, deep Bowie dives. Does FNM. Super meta FNM. <laughs> Faith no meta. Terminal Jive. And and Terminal Jive, if anyone hasn't clued in yet, anyway, if anyone just scratching their head going, why do the guys care about Terminal Jive? Well... Keep talking that terminal jazz. Looking back. If you go looking back on the album Introduce Yourself to Track 8. Or go looking back on when. Chuck Mosley sang. And he says, quit talking that terminal jive. Looking back on when you left me. Standing in the rain and talking terminal jive. Yes, thank you. We got there in the end. If you do a little search, terminal jive isn't, you know, where did he possible and very, very likely that Chuck. Just gave a little yep. nod to Sparks on that bit of lyric there. Whoa! Now, Jim, you say you're not a fan of Sparks. Did you know? Did you know that in 2015, Franz Ferdinand mm-hmm. and Sparks did an album together? I'm not a fan of Franz Ferdinand either, so no. Shit. Because I was going to say that could be a good little introduction to Sparks for you because it's very Sparksy. But it's a little yeah. bit more leaning into the rockier side. No, 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 no. Oh, for fuck's no. sake. If you'd have told me that Sparks and Big Mountain had done an album together, I'd be up for that. Ooh, baby, I love... I didn't know that was Big Mountain until today. That's fun. I said for fuck's sake because it's actually Franz Ferdinand Sparks, FFS. Anyone who's interested in hearing a slightly rockier edge... To Sparks, mm-hmm. you know, perhaps a little bit of an easier introduction into the band. Uh, that's uh, that's out there. I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it. Didn't didn't do that much for me. And I'm not a Franz Ferdinand fan myself. But uh, it had yeah. a good rocky edge, a little bit more guitars. And look, that's that's all the notes I have on the song before we talk about the physical song. Even though the song's not physical, I guess there's a physical format like a CD. Physical, physical, 
I met Olivia Newton John in 1998. Did you have sex with her? No. Right, well, it's not a worse story worth telling okay. then. Let's move mm-hmm. on. I like the chromatic movement in that song. Like, Physical. Did she sing that? Oh, let me hear your body talk. Dude, when I met her in 98, she... Did you have sex with her? No. But I was... So I was 18 and she would have been... Oh, God, like late 40s or early... No. Would you have, would you have had sex with her? Yeah. And I, I, I appreciate the way we're talking sounds objectifying and kind of just lame. Yeah, foul, lame boy talk. Foul, disgusting, but, disgusting boy but, talk. Dude, she was... Switch off. Dude, she was beautiful. Uh, I'll say it in a more, you know, in a, she was hot. Dude, she was hot. Because she, they, it was part of the main event with John Farnham and Anthony Warlow, and she did a couple of Grease tracks. So she steps out as, uh, what's it, Sandy, Sandra Day, Sandy, Sandy. Mm-hmm. And uh, with the leather pants. Oh, leather and pants. And 18-year-old me was like, leather pants. dude. All right, we'll leave it at that. But, um. <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> uh, so, look, uh, the song. Songs. Apologise to any good. ladies listening. Wendy, we're really sorry for being crude. I would say that I really like the original original, not the plagiarism version, but the Sparks 1974 version, I really, really dig and appreciate what it is then. I quite mm-hmm. enjoy it. Um, and I love this Faith No More version. It's faster. Do you know what I think would make the Faith No More version better? No, but I feel like you're going to tell me. If Russell Mayle wasn't singing on oh. it, if it was just Patton. No. Well, I disagree it with It sounds you. too forced. It doesn't sound... You know, he can't sing in that high falsetto voice particularly well. Well, that was part of it its that was part of its forced. criticism, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah. I don't know. The reviews at the time commented on his voice didn't sound great, but that was the key of the song mm-hmm. and that's what he was going for. So stylistically, right. that's how it was informed. Uh, or the, or mm-hmm. stylistically, the key informed the way he sang it. Uh, I, I think the combination sounds great. I, I think the song suits being a duet. When when Patton's voice kicks in, that's when the song begins to make Pew! sense to me. If if we're talking Pew! kind of like ninety five, it's when his voice had had really reached its peak. He'd reached a maturity in his voice that he'd not had previously, yeah. and uh, he was experimenting with his full range. And you can kind of hear that on this song, yeah, absolutely. And it seems like yeah. a shame that it's. It masked in places and the, the volume's a bit lower in places than it should be. Oh, but I, I find it interesting that it's almost intentional that they've got Patton up louder than Russell. I would set the other way. Interesting. interesting. But I do, I had the exact same thought that you had that period. You know, Angel Dust was already, you know, Patton in 92. His voice was sort of getting into the deeper sort of thing. You know, like the real thing was still... Uh, he was still in uncharted territory, so to speak, whereas Angel Dust, Patton's really started to experiment. King for a Day, I've said before, 95 is my favourite era, Patton. Patton's voice, uh, Disco Volante in 96. And uh, Patton's, well, and we know that this was before Album of the Year, wasn't it? So this is 
this is either during it does or, sound album of the year it yeah it does it does and, and, yeah. and i love the i love that it's right in that pocket of his 95 touring experimenting crooning pushing it you know his when he sings high and it's aggressive you know i i think the the highlight of the discussion and we bring this up often about it's an in-between song just as another body murdered perfect crime oh. is an in-between song yeah it's another in-between song and they fall between in-between albums yeah. and it's kind of you can even then you can hear the development from the previous album to the next yeah. album you can yeah. hear he's going through a change and i think you can hear that here now we know when approximately this song was written you can attribute those that that theory to this song not written recorded sorry obviously written in many years before but what what i was going to mention is that we almost bring it up every episode that we could just sit here being pat and fanboys and we try and look for more but this these two songs you know really the highlight as a faith no more fan is Patton and Patton's delivery on yeah. them yeah because i think it's in it'd be interesting to know who plays what on the song where do those keyboards come in who who is playing who's playing which which, which yeah who's playing what mm. parts because um, I'm pretty sure that, that, that Roddy would have definitely wanted to get deep involved in this. I, I feel like the piano sounds, especially in the intro, they likely be Ron. And then there are some strings through mm. that I feel like they're I Roddy. Because I think the piano part in the beginning bit sounds... I, I know you can just change your patches and update your sounds and everything, but I don't know, it just feels more Roddy. Yeah, well... Shall I add, I feel like the, the Russell Russell singing at the start means that when Patton comes in, it comes in really strong, which it does. It comes in with a gunshot. Pew! This town mm-hmm. is big enough for the both of us. Pew! And then Patton comes in with that really strong... And I, I, I still remember the first time I heard it. I, I didn't even know about the single. I just was perusing the CD store. I went, WTF is this? And of course, I didn't say that back then. I just excitedly went, what the fuck? And grabbed the single and bought it and got straight in the car and put it in the cd player i don't know why i keep doing that voice today and uh it was yeah it was uh, i'd it's never lady violet that's just rubbing off on you yeah I, I guess so and i didn't know i didn't know either of these songs i'd never heard this town before and yeah mm. so it starts off with the do 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 so time is she on your time and then Patton comes in with leave and it just it's got that exactly what you were talking about before like that that era of Patton little bit like 10% sarcasm but you know mm-hmm. the game show gusto. yeah the crooner the crooner vibe yeah yeah I'll say the first thing about getting a, a little bit technical on the recording, and it's probably overkill, but the the original recording, Russell's voice has this kind of slapback echo delay, and the slapback echo is essentially just a repeat single delay that sort of shoots back. And I think the timing, it's like 60 to 120 milliseconds usually is like an, a setting on a, on a slapback. And it was very, uh, very Elvis thing to do, uh, the, the, the slapback delay. And I noticed, and it's fun, that Patton doesn't use a lot of slapback in Faith No More production. I think there was some slapback in uh, Let's Lynch the Lamb. In that recording, from memory, um, I think some of their covers they've done, like they've possibly experimented with that. 
but the slapback delay is a very particular sound and it's fun to hear Patton's voice with a bit of slapback. But what I found interesting and there's no real way of sort of knowing, but just hearing it, it's just like this really fun little detail and it's my usual story of getting a little bit too carried away. But Russell's voice is on this slapback delay that maybe it bounces back possibly what feels like a little, just a little bit behind the tempo. Like it's just got this little bit of a labored slapback, whereas Patton's sounds like it's not as pronounced, but it's a little bit faster. And the thing is, if they both had, because they're singing together, they're completely in time with each other. And if the slapbacks were perfectly in time, it would actually be really distracting. So their voices bounce back at slightly different times. It's fascinating, isn't it? said slap back 18 times. Let's play the slap back drinking game. Everybody rewind by three minutes and take a shot every time I say slap back. Anyway, that's... That's all I have to say on that. The um, there's yeah, there's no real obvious. It's just basically next time you listen, listen to the the delay that's occurring, the slap back. Oh, excellent. Uh, I like the way they sing it, especially Patton. Mm-hmm. And I was talking before about Susie and the Banshees' way of performing it. I love the whole, this time no big enough for the, the fuss. Like Patton's really, really pushing that staccato tight delivery. I think that's why Russell kind of um, gets in the way of Patton for me. Because Patton's got a real, f- he's really pushing the phonetics. He's really pronouncing every word. Yep. And it just sounds like Russell's just floating around over the top somewhere. And mm. I know that's his style. But I, th- I kind of feel like that's why it works. Um, okay, okay. I, I don't want people to think I dislike this song. I love it, but I always kind of listen out for Patton's voice rather than concentrating on Russell Mayle's voice. Sure, fair enough. But I mean, that's be- because I love Mike Patton and I don't love Russell Mayle. If you're a Faith No More fan, you're likely to prefer these versions over mm-hmm. the originals. Sure. I'd love to know what an actual, like a, a Sparks fan, like someone who's big into Sparks and then, you know, they already know these two songs, they already love them and then they get this plagiarism album and then they hear Faith No More on the songs. Did they listen to it and go, oh, fuck, this is cool? Or did they listen and go, eh, yeah. it's nothing on my Sparks, you know? I suppose it's Probably. like when we hear people cover Faith No More songs. And we diss them pretty much <laughs> yeah. every time. Yeah, I like a band to take a song and do their own version of it, their own interpretation of it. And I don't think Faith Them All do that every time. They do it, and the odd one, like Greenfields, is is very different to the original, and Let's Lynch the Landlord is. But mm. if you listen to War Pigs or Easy or um, I Start a Joke or this one, I even mean, Midnight Cowboy, this one, uh, your Midnight Cowboy is not that dissimilar from the original yeah it's pretty close i don't think i don't think faith no more reinvent the covers however i've said this on many occasions i think faith no more are a master at doing covers Mm. i'm a massive black sabbath fan and you put i think i might have said this before but you put war pigs up against the black sabbath version up against the faith no more version Mm. and all the the technology uh, improvements aside and you know, in recording and everything, uh, I just think that War Pigs by Faith and Mob blows Black Sabbath out of the water. Yeah, okay. And I'd, I'd say the same for Easy as well, even though I'm not a huge Lionel Richie fan. Yeah, right. I mean, that's probably even just a, a preference for voice as well. Yeah, and I start joke. 
there's only one song that Faith No More have covered where I would think the original is equal to oh, yeah? the Faith No More, and that's um, this guy's in love with you. I think the original's brilliant. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh. Oh. Squeak, squeaker. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Cool. But this one's, it's, this, one's, this one's unique in itself because it's the actual band Sparks performing it. You know, when they, when they performed it originally, they basically just had a higher band, didn't they? And it was Russell and Ron who were the, the brains. They just had a higher band behind them, and that's pretty much what they've done here. They've just got Faith Them More as a higher band, and then Patton is the added magic in there. Yeah, okay. I mean, look, it's, he- it's a heavier version too. I mean, the guitars yes, and the that, Faith yeah. No More version are more metal. I do like what Dean's done here. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, that brings me to my next my next little note is um, I'll jump to the solo because it's a, it's a mm. fun little solo. And you yeah. got this like kind of sound. And that th- there's sort of two really obvious straight techniques in the solo where the first is like this finger tapping pull off sort of sound, which was, you know, originally made famous by Eddie Van Halen. And I was going to point out a couple of uh, examples of sort of the, the sound. So like that sort of tapping finger on pull off, you know, when I say finger on and pull off, uh, that's where you don't basically the left hand is doing all the work on the guitar. No, no, I know what you mean. Look yep. at eruption. Eruption sort of the famous one. The wolf, there's a wolf mother song. Ooh. I don't like wolf mother. I know Patton loves them. There's a there's a wolf mother song that's got a real sort of hammer on sound. The doodle 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 um, and famously more the, of a which which one's that? Is it, I don't uh, know. I'll drop in a sample. Uh, it's off the original EP, I think. Uh, Joker and the it? Thief. Joker and the oh, Thief. Oh yeah, Joker and the Thief. I like that song. I don't. I'm not a fan. No, I've never liked any wolf mother. Oh. I bet you don't like Red Hot Chili Peppers either, do you? And I bet you don't like... I didn't like Wolf Mother before Patton didn't like Wolf Mother. Oh, why? <laughs> I remember I used to work, it was 2006, I was working at Billy Hyde's in Parramatta. Shout out, Billy Hyde's. That's a store. Be on the show. I still remember standing at the front counter and someone had put on Wolf Mother in the store. And mm. my mate, Josh Newman. Shout out, Josh. Love to have you on the show. Actually, fuck, here's a, here's a fucking tangent. There's a, a skate band called Tony Hawk's Pro Skater and the unlikely, uh, oh, what's it? There's a, there's a quirky title that's based on, okay, so it's, you know the movie Birdman? Oh, this is, a, this is a, oh, I'm really on a roll today. You remember the movie Birdman with um, Michael Keaton? Yeah. Okay, and it was like the unexpected virtue. It had that long title. Well, these guys named their band sort of in the same way that Birdman was named, and they called themselves Birdman or the unlikely event of, however that title goes, of a Tony Hawk pro skater cover band. And so this band, Josh, formed uh, with the, the idea of doing only covers from Tony Hawk's pro skater. And so these guys okay. were doing shows, and they did like a run of shows in Sydney, and it was just great for them, They you know, just doing all the songs that were from... Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, and they just kept hassling him over um, Twitter, saying, I-, "I can't remember how it started with you know, just we'll do a gig for you, we'll do a show." And then there was this great event a couple of years ago of the anniversary of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater, and fucking they flew the band over from Australia to these US cool. events where um, there was a major headliner, but the Tony Hawk Pro Skater cover band supported the event and. 
Tony Hawk came out on stage with them and they they all got to hang out with him and they he signed a couple of decks for them and you know gifted them all with it and stuff and it, yeah it's sick so yeah shout out Josh love to have you on the show so then Josh is standing there behind the counter and Wolf Mother's playing and he goes I know let's start a, a Led Zeppelin cover band but not do any Led Zeppelin songs and that's how I remember Wolf Mother anyway oh, so they man. do that tapping sort of sound and then also uh, Thunderstruck <laughs> there's that kind of that pull off So that, that there's that. So the first part of the solo within this sound ain't big enough for the both. Has that technique? That you know? Yep. Cool. And then yeah. the and then the other thing is just the wham 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 wham, which is, I think it was made famous with Jimi Hendrix. It sort of started in the blues world. Someone might shoot me down for saying it was Jimi Hendrix, and someone else did it famously before him but it's basically where you hold one note and then you hit another one and bend it up to the same note so they bend in unison oh unison bends that's what they're called um jimmy did it a lot he did it in manic depression uh i mean he did it all over the place but you hear it in manic depression you hear it in uh, the intro to highway child You know who else did it a fair bit? Uh, let me guess, that guy from Chili Peppers. Oh, uh, yeah, he's done it. Yeah, actually, I'll drop one of those ones in. <laughs> in the song, Hey, Sick, from Stadium Arcadium. And uh, Queens of the Stone Age, Josh Homme loves it. Josh Homme, I, I, don't, I can't think of a Kaya song where he's doing it, but... Uh, loves it in, um, in Queens of Stone Age. There's some good, there's some good little unison bends in Mexicola. Even uh, no one knows, you know the dun 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 wow, that little wow. Uh, you know who else did did a few unison bends? Michael Bazzari. Close. Michael Hayes, me. Michael Hayes in a little, a uh, little unknown band called Eight BC, and actually properly unknown. Me, fuck Mike Hayes, Mike. Oh right, right. I we're Facebook friends. Mike, two laptops, banner. <laughs> yeah, no, I've been using a notebook this episode. Yeah, my my band Eight BC. I I I stole a few little few little things. We got the a look of love. That's the look. That's the look. The look of love. Jim, of all the times I'm plugging my own band, just let me, <laughs> just give me like ABC. Give me thirty seconds of airtime for Did ABC. They, that's ABC, isn't it? Yeah, one of our songs the called look The of Hand. Love. The hand. Do it in that. And there's another song called Basis. A few little unison bends in that one too. Pew! Shoot that poison arrow to my heart. So yeah, the solo is basically just tapping and unison bends. And that's Excellent. enough. That's all it needs. Yeah, but that's, really. that's enough. That's a good 12 minutes on yeah, the solo. Yeah, so... Yeah, and then and then the interlude. Yeah, I've slap back in a while. No, but we can slap back to it any time. 
<laughs> what is that? <laughs> you know what I think's fun? You know the interlude. In the original of the interlude, you know the... the yeah, the modern version's much better. So what's happening in that, to, to my ear, is that you've got in the original, the, the drummer's doing... Uh, double snare here where it's like da 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 ba 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 but uh, Mike Borden being so amazing on his offbeat kicks uh, he's playing snare to kick instead mm-hmm. yeah So, and I actually, yep. I feel like that section moves a lot more fluidly. It's not as quirky. It's not as weird and off kilter and off time. But uh, I th- feel like it moves more fluidly the way that uh, Borden plays it. 100%. And look, I think a diehard Sparks fan would hear that section and go, Hey, you guys made it simpler. <laughs> you didn't do the, you didn't do the da 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 snare thing. Faith no more. And, you know, that might upset some Sparks fans, but not us. Because we're not Faith us. No More. We, we like this stuff. Not us. Because we're like Faith No More, not Sparks. Yeah. Well, I I still, I don't know. I, I think the original has its has its charm. I really Medics. like it. Yeah. Uh, and then the... the And it's got that weird offbeat thing. Oh, I've always liked mm-hmm. that that's odd. I sort of nod my head and, like, hammer it out because I can hear where it's going to be. It's an odd tune. It's a very odd tune. Well, it is. I was just pointing out the accent itself. It lands on the and of the three. I did have a note saying that by the time fans got to hear this song, we were already pretty um, conditioned to Faith No More doing odd things and doing odd covers. Oh, mate, it's so, it's 100% so in their the, wheelhouse, the odd, isn't it? Yeah, the oddness didn't um, phase any of us. Yeah. There's a, there's a quote that doesn't exist where Sparks said, we got the idea to work with Faith No More, and we thought our music's fairly odd, and we thought Faith No More, this is right in their wheelhouse, and we thought we, we really should get them on plagiarism. So we reached out to the band, and they were well up for it, and they really did a great job. And that's the That's, the that's fake, not a fake real quote, quote Michael. You're making quotes up. They probably thought it. Leave the quotes to me. Look, I've just got one last thing to say about this town ain't big enough for the both of us. And it's, it's aside from just how many times we could go on about Patton's delivery and how great a job he did, the, the lyrics, they're just, they're good fun. And have you noticed that the song just basically moves between a structure of verse, verses and bridges? There's no... There's no real chorus. I would describe it more as a refrain. Do you know when you're listening to Mike Patton's lyrics 
and you've yes. not read them or they're not written down and you're kind of guessing little bits because sometimes the way he sings you can't quite tell what the words are yeah and i sure. think a lot of the time he does it on purpose yeah I, I always kind of did that with this and i always kind of guessed the lyrics yeah, yeah and it's only for this episode that i actually looked at the lyrics and i guess most of them right that i was bad as that oh yeah yeah yeah, because I was like, oh, he definitely says tacky tigers. But then when you think, you're like, he can't say tacky tigers. Well, I'm glad you brought up the tacky, tacky tigers. tigers. What's a tacky tiger? Like in the context. Well, that uh, brings to mind Vegas to me. You've got those tigers on do the show, aren't they, in Vegas? So but they're just referring you, to tigers as tacky. You, yeah, maybe. But you referred me to listen to a podcast, what you call it, Exploding the Song, I think it was called. Song Exploder, yeah. Yeah, and, it was and really uh, cool. Yeah, and it that, was actually Ron and Russell talking about this song, and they do talk about the lyrics. And if you look at the second verse, they were saying that it's about a a steward, sorry, someone who goes on a flight and then imagines themselves in World War II. Well, I think what he was getting at is that every every scenario, each verse begins with a simple scenario, a simple, comfortable scenario. Then uh, our protagonist has a case of uh, anxiety, and they mm. have a heartbeat, increasing heartbeat, and then the situation is blown out of proportion. For, so they went from flying, domestic flying, and when the stewardess is near, they remind themselves not to show any fear. Their anxiety kicks in with the increasing heartbeat, and now they're a khaki-coloured bombardier, and it's Hiroshima that they're nearing. Mm-hmm. And each each verse is painted in this kind of way of, like, simple scenario – Freaking out. Now I've blown it out of proportion. This town ain't big enough for the both of us, and it ain't me. That's yeah, gonna... it's an odd bunch of lyrics. Yeah, they're fun, and I, I, it's. Uh, I'm glad you brought that up, because that was sort of one of the, the, the things I wanted to steer toward as we wrap up. Jump on your podcast players and check out Song Exploder. It's the most recent episode at this stage, but by the time this is edited, it probably won't be. But, uh, yeah, they do, a ho- they do a whole episode just on this song, and they... Obviously, you're able to isolate some tracks and there's some band interview stuff and they were able to actually pull some some audio, I think, from the Edgar Wright uh, documentary where they're talking Mm -hmm. about it. Oh, is that where that's from? Well, yeah, they, they kind of, they were talking about the Edgar, the Edgar Wright documentary and it sounded as though they were just drawing from a lot of that, but they would have done some dedicated interviews. I gotcha. Song Exploder is one of my favourite podcasts. It's one I've been listening to for some time. I've never heard it before. Oh, it's fantastic. It's great. uh, Introduce me, thank you. Introduce me to, I think I once on this podcast, when we were talking about new music, I talked about the Mountain Goats, um, and they have a song called Cadaver Sniffing Dogs, and it was Song Exploder that introduced me to that song. And if you want to jump back, probably a good 18 months, two years or more. Uh, no, about that. Um, We've been the, doing it a while. Yeah, the Mountain Goats episode on Song Exploder. Um, that that was a good one. That was a really good one. Yeah, anyway. Cool. Yeah, so then um, the, the lyrics and... Yeah, that's... But the, well, the whole song's a verse and refrain. That was the interesting thing to me. It's It's... You've got the verse, then you've got this little tag of... Heartbeat increasing heartbeat, one more or two more lines, whatever it is, and then uh, this refrain of this town ain't big enough for the both of us. It's not really a chorus as such. Then you get a little bridge and then it goes into the next thing, you know, and then we got the interludes or whatever, and then it goes into the next verse refrain. It's just, it's an interesting structure. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, live. It's funny how in uh, 98, 
I think there's footage, is it 98, where Patton's singing it and just just doesn't remember any of the lyrics, really. Sparks have actually joined Faith Amor on stage to perform the song on two different occasions. Mm -hmm. uh, Brixton Academy on the 29th of November in 1997 mm -hmm. and in 2010 on the 1st of December at Hollywood Palladium. The f it was released on the 1st of December. That's quite nifty. I oh! they did that on purpose. Uh, I wonder if the band even noticed. Probably not, actually. 13 years after it was released. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, it's been played 15 times. Mate, you skimmed over one fun, fun important fact oh, on sorry. that. What, what on. year was that last? That You said that, so 2010. Yeah. Uh, D-Mentor joined them on stage too. Oh, yeah. Well, spank my ass and call me Mentor. Yep, with John. And he looks weird because um, he doesn't have his goatee that we recognise him with. He still does the same old rocking back and forth, though. Yeah, I love it. I love how animated he yeah. is. Actually made yeah, me cool kind of go, oh, I miss, miss a bit of D-Mentor on stage with Faith No yeah. More. Yeah, it was cool that he joined him on stage for that. Uh, yeah, they've played it 15 times, according to uh, Faith No More gig database. Now, I just have to say that Andy Bowie Bowie, Bowie Bowie, threw his teddy out of the cot because we always mention Setlist FM. So he updated his his, his web page for <laughs> us and included a little section with the uh, stats on. Thank you for that, Andy. Thank uh, you, So Andrew we don't Bowie. have to refer to uh, Setlist FM anymore. Good. And we all know that Andy will know a lot more about uh, the stats than whoever does Setlist FM. Whoever's curating Setlist FM, yeah. yeah. Back in the late 90s, round about when it was released, 97, 98, they played it quite a few times. But I think they've only played it a couple of times once, maybe in recent years they played it in sydney whether it, i think it was 2010 did they yeah i tweeted bill and no, said you? and said uh hey bill we don't need a greatest hits show feel free feel free to mix it up and make it interesting for yourselves but please play as the worm turns and then on the set list at that particular gig they were supposed to come back after the second encore and play As the Worm Turns and it was crossed out for this town. And I always, just in my own mind, just felt like Bill had put it on the set list for me and then they decided last minute or not to play it. they had it on the set list already and when you sent that annoying little tweet, they thought, you know, <laughs> fuck you, my case, and they just scrubbed it out. Yeah. We're going to play something too. We're big enough to the both of us instead, you motherfucker. Don't tell me what to play in my own band. Do you know I've only seen As The Worm Turns live once in person? Yeah. We need to do a live episode and talk about our favourite songs live. Uh, if it's anything like our top ten, it's not going to be looking good for you. Right, I'm going to tell you if I've seen As The Worm Turns live now, because I'm on fnmlive.com. Should we all first sit here and first, wait for first you faith to... Yeah, we're gig. doing this, okay. Fuck. Wembley Stadium, yeah. now... Didn't play it there. No. I didn't think they did. Well, can't you yeah, just remember? Can't, remember? can't you remember these details off the top of your head? I can't remember the full set. Are man. you a real fan? Getting old, mate. I can't even remember what I had for tea tonight. Only, oh, actually, no, I can because I've just burped uh, curry. Right. Uh, the next gig I attended was Sheffield Arena. I can remember the gigs. I can remember being there. Do you know what's funny about you, you saying you had tea? I have tea after dinner. No, they didn't play it at Sheffield. Maybe I've never seen it live. Maybe you haven't. Let's move on. Do you want to talk about the other song? So I'm another still fun at this. feature. Okay, you keep looking. So the, another fun feature of the uh, 1997 release, <laughs> Plagiarism from Sparks, was that they did do a second song with Faith No More, which was yes, they did. something for the girl with everything. Now in something, something for the girl with everything. In something for the girl with everything. 
They originally less lesser known uh, to a uh, sorry, Dementor's favourite song, as I mentioned earlier. Oh yeah, that was in his uh, yes, yeah, in his little message to me. Continue. It's from their f- no, nope, they didn't play it on that gig. I went to okay. It's from their fourth album. Now I'm on two thousand and nine. Their fourth album, Propaganda. So the album that followed the one with this town ain't big enough for the both of us. They did something for the girl with everything. Now stylistically. Similar song. Mm-hmm. You know, lots of more of the... Something for the go with the free thing. You know, lots more uh, staccato kind of vibe. Yeah. While it was a single, doesn't have the notoriety that this town has. So there's far less uh, detail and information on it. But um, I actually really enjoy this one. It's all right. I prefer this town it big enough for both of us. And in something with a go with everything, Mike Patton's even lower in the mix. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. He is a little bit more... It's kind of like just a backing vocalist. Oh, I've seen As the Worm Turns Live. I saw it on Tuesday, 10th of July in 2012 at Brixton Academy. So you've seen them do it once as well. Um, Well, I've still got, I'm still checking. Well, they did it for me at the Horden Pavilion in 1995. And we we were up against the bar at the front for the whole show. And then during the encore, my friend and I jumped over the bar to end up in the mosh pit. So I was in the mosh pit. I think I fucking went mental for it as well. Yeah, it's just such a good song live. And look, so uh, Something for the Girl With Everything originally appears Four Sparks on their fourth album, Propaganda. And then mm-hmm. obviously was the remake, the, 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 the cover of a cover, or the, you know, their own personal cover appears on Plagiarism as well, where there's a sort of string arrangement. Now, it's mm-hmm. actually... It's an interesting version, but stupid me not knowing it back in 97 thought that was the original. And I thought Sparks were a very orchestral, you know, orchestra-based band and thought that's the original and the Faith No More interpretation's really interesting. But the uh, the Faith No More version is really true and honest. Pretty close, just a bit faster to the version that appears on the album. Yep. Something for the girl with everything. kind of agree with the um, majority on this and it's one of my least favourite covers that Faith and More have done I really like these it. two songs and Another Body Murdered are the only three collaborations Faith and More have ever recorded well they're not really it's not that common a thing for bands to do right I don't know is it not well I mean aside from when Run DMC collaborated with Aerosmith I mean name one other collaboration <laughs> what are you on about that was completely flawed mm-hmm. <laughs> You're right, though. I can't think of anything. There's been no other collaborations with any bands or artists ever beyond that. I really like the song. Stylistically, it is really similar. Same sort of vibe where this town opens with Russell singing it and then Patton comes in. Uh, It's not as dramatic in this one. It just becomes sort of a doubling on the second verse. You know, Russell takes the whole first verse. Yeah. And then Patton comes in. But I think, you know, you said Patton's mixed a bit lower, but what I like about this is that his voice is blended in a way that it just adds heaps of weight to Russell's voice. And I love the – there's probably a little even more sarcasm to Patton's voice in this one. The, the opening – the open line for Patton is, uh, have another sip, my dear, and just the way he comes in, 
have another sip, you know. He does that kind of very, very. You sounded sound very much pattern. like him then. Yes. Do you know? I find it hard to get excited about these songs because they're not written by Faith No More. I found that in listening to them and in writing notes about them and researching them, and even when we've been recording this in this uh, podcast episode, I found it hard to get really excited about them. I'm kind of looking forward to getting to malpractice or whatever we're doing next. Yeah, I, I really, I've really yeah. enjoyed the break and listening over them because they're sort of amongst the forgotten Faith No More songs. It was really fun to revisit them because they're not. It's not really a go-to for me. It's not something I would otherwise be no, no. thinking of and going, oh, I feel like li- listening to a little bit. It of- does sound like Faith No More. I give you that. But- yeah, I really like them. They just they, they just fall into being a bit forgotten. What One note I made that I thought was interesting, and this talks sort of about Patton's evolution of voice, is that for the era, he's still, like, King for a Day was when Patton started doing, well, fuck, he's been doing it since the beginning, but this sort of falsetto voice... Uh, the delivery of it, he's been toying with that and he really started to toy with it on King for I know it appears in, a little bit on Angel Dust, but he toys with it a little bit on King for a Day, like the way he sings Evidence or where I thought it was a woman singing in Just a Man, with you know, the, the, the third verse for Sky is Clear. He's doing the softer, lighter falsetto sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and then they've obviously gone on tour and they've done this. You know, after this, we get Album of the Year... Um, there's obviously, uh, this would have been around the time that Disco Volante was recorded, I guess. And there was lots of this, in Disco Volante, there's plenty of Patton's um, falsetto falling in there. Uh, and But you can hear he's sort of toying with it. And I, th- I feel like we got to, after Album of the Year, and he's done, I think there would have been Phantomus in there as well. And then, But Bungle's California album, I feel like that was where his falsetto style sort of landed where he was really comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like um, Retro, Retro Vertigo. Mm-hmm. And the way he sings Retro Vertigo, it, this, the, the, the falsetto that got a little bit carried away there, but the, the, the way he's singing this this song with a... Like, oh, fuck, I can't do it. But Don't try to talk about it. Like the way he's bouncing between the thick, the thicker voice and the thinner voice, you know, some would say chest voice and falsetto bouncing around. It's under, it's not even a developed sound for Patton. That's the, that's the condensed thing I wanted to arrive at. And I enjoy hearing Patton perform something that I think is a little outside his comfort zone, yet he goes into it with, you know, almost, almost bravado, but just the confidence that he can do it. And it sounds great. Yeah, he do, and he does do that a lot. Oh yeah, but it's stylistically, yeah. this is unusual for him, and I really—that's what I think. That's what it is. It's, it's the fact that it's unusual. It's something that he otherwise probably wouldn't have written at this time, uh, mm-hmm. and it, it it pushes his voice to do something that we haven't really heard it do at that time. Yeah, and yeah, it's I agree though. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the original, there's uh the three wise men are here section in the chorus. The bass guitar does this like do 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 do, like these cool slides. And I was really surprised to not hear Bill Gould do that in the Faith No More version. What a shit. What a shithead. But it's a, such a Bill Gould thing to do this to do some he does do some slides in uh the some of the interlude 
bridge sections. He does do some little slidey bits. But I was surprised to hear him sort of not emphasize it and actually really go for it because it's, I mean, there's almost within Bill Gould's signature sound, you've got to throw some slides in there. You know, if you were going to do a YouTube Bill Gould-style bass playing, boom. The bass lines are very tame for Bill. It's not It's not a Bill Gouldy tone so much in this one. No, no, no. Yeah, uh, we get more double stops somewhere in there. You know, the, the not double stops, sorry, the, the unison bends that I was talking about before. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Is there any slapbacks? Uh, yes. <laughs> the, the, the vocal Good. also has the slapback treatment for Russell. Uh, less noticeable quirk pattern, I'm trying to think. Of. I think pattern has the slapback, but less of that detail that I was pointing out before. All I'd really say beyond that is just how fun the lyrics are again. Have you read through the lyrics of this one? Yes, I have, yeah. They're not quite as um, sporadic as this town ain't big enough for the both of us, but they are odd. There's uh where are we? So after the first chorus, we get to the verse of um here's a really pretty car. Here's a really pretty car. I hope it takes you far. I hope it. And then there's a weird sound in Patton's voice where he kind of when he says I hope it takes you fast and far. Have you noticed mm-hmm. that he goes? Yeah, yeah. I hope yeah, it takes you mean, fast yeah. and far. Have you noticed that? I like that little that little quirk of the the way he delivers that one. Uh, it does a similar thing at the end as well, and it's the going, she's got every... She's got she's every, got every... Yeah, he does a proper pattern. Yeah. A patternism there. Did we call them patternisms? Yeah, sure we can call them patternisms. Oh, no, it was jizzes, jisms that we uh, <laughs> quite some time ago, isn't it? There were plenty of jisms. 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 Yeah. I love uh, the way Patton sings a line. So the, the fun thing about the chorus is, is you've got this three wise men are here thing going on. Because something fun that go with everything. Three wise men are here. Three wise men are here. Three wise men are here. The first one, the line, um, bearing gifts to aid amnesia. I like that one. Uh, then there was the line, she knew you back when you weren't yourself. Then the second chorus, where should they leave these important gimmicks? And then um, I like the way Patton sings it. Make sure there's a clear path to the door. Just the way he sings that. I don't know what it is. I think it's because he sings it in that way you were talking about, where it's not entirely clear what he's singing, and I had to read the lyrics. I'm like, oh, that's what he's saying. Now it's obvious. Uh, And then the other highlight for me toward the end of the song uh, is that the song's sort of taking off, and it sounds like it's wrapping up, and... Here's a partridge in a tree. Like, the song sort of picks up pace a little bit. Here's a partridge in a tree. A gardener for the tree, complete with ornithologist. Careful, careful with that crate. You wouldn't want to dent Sinatra, no, whatever that means. And then it does a something for the girl who has got everything. Yes, everything in here. And we get this, like, bonus verse. Mm-hmm. I fucking love that. It's sick. It's just, like, it, it's, it sounds like it's wrapping up. And then pew, one more. Pew. And then... I love the baseball organ. Yeah. Like the the first the wh- one. Wurlitzer. The Wurlitzer. The Wurlitzer. Like the first time. And I, I feel like Roddy really lent into that on this song where he just went for just straight up. Let's go. Let's all go. All to American the Roddy Bottom. Don't you like the ending with the she's got everything and everything and everything? Yeah, it's the only time you can really hear Patton clearly. Well, that's where that that's a little bonus bit because that's not in the original. The, f- the song finished with uh, she's got everything and then. For the Faith No More version, Roddy just tags in this. 
yeah, hits it out of the park. That was a baseball pun there because I was talking about score. <laughs> is that a baseball pun? No. Yeah, it is. Ah, uh, your uh, your enthusiasm is powerful. Batter up. Yeah, sorry, my enthusiasm waned completely. Yeah, we're talking about this. Song. Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, I'm tired as well. well okay, so th- one thing on this though. I had this thought because I really enjoyed these and we know the timing, even though we don't know exactly, it falls between King for a Day possibly touring and it's before album of the year. Now, Faith No More followers had a really great article that you uh, republished recently uh, for the anniversary of album of the year, right? And there was the well, bit in there. You would know. It was it was published like three years ago or maybe four years ago for what it's twenty twenty years twenty years, but there was a bit in this article about the production of album of the year and the process of it, where mm. there was the songwriter. I can't remember if Dean Mentor had done the songwriting originally. That's why he did move on. But Roddy Bottom talks about how there were a bunch of songs that were more in a pop sort of vein, and Patton wasn't into it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And they had to start again. Yeah, yeah, if anyone wants the direct quote, you can go and find that on Faith No More followers. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. fnmfollowers.com, right? Yeah, it is now, yeah. Yeah. But the uh, this because these are really poppy songs and they're that spark sort of thing, when Roddy says we wrote a bunch of songs and they were more pop or they were more, I can't remember what, exactly what words or how he described it, I just kind of feel like these songs make me even though I've always wondered and wished since hearing that, I'd love to know what those songs sounded like, the ones, you know, the the songs that Patton rejected. Because if the rest of the band were into them, if Patton was on board and just did some, you know, some tunes that were in just a more accessible sort of vein, I bet they would have been awesome. I bet it would have been a better album. (laughs) Possibly, yeah. I mean, Patton just went and did Disco Volante. You'd think he would have got all his weirdness out of his system and he could have done something just a little bit more accessible. Just those, uh, we'll never know. I mean, who knows yeah. if any of those have been resurrected that that appeared on Sol Invictus. You know, we won't know if any of those were just like little, like some of the riffs may have been pulled from old ideas. It I've happens. got a quote here. I mean, Roddy said he was really pissed off about it, but Bill's got the most interesting quote. Um, we wrote something like 12 songs, and of those 12, we probably axed eight of them. They're still around, they're good, but they were leaning in a certain way that we didn't want things to lean towards. They were just a little bit too nice. They were pop songs, but there wasn't enough feeling, enough balls. See, that... They, these... may, they may have turned into something on Sol Invictus, you never know. Yeah, but they, these two songs, This Town and Something for the Girl with Everything, make me feel more curious that I would love to hear. Like, I, I, I wish I wish they had come out because it's so... Because uh, they, they, surely they would have sounded good. I reckon they would have been good. Well, we'll never know. We'll never know. Yeah, so that sort of just about wraps it up. Uh, the, the, the Sparks documentary, it's out. It's coming out. It's just about to land. It's already uh, out. It's got different screen times. Well, yeah, it's out in, but it's it, well, it's not out in. It's premiered in Australia, but it hasn't launched yet. It's got its own dates here. I'm seeing it in July. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called the Sparks Brothers, right? Yep, directed by Edgar Wright, who did those pretty awesome comedies with Simon Pegg in them, 
like um, Shaun of the Dead. Shaun of he? the Dead, which is awesome, yeah. and the one about the two coppers, which is awesome. Uh, Hot Fuzz, um, and then the one about when they're doing the pubs and they're taken off by aliens, which isn't so awesome. Um, yeah, but he's a great he's a great director. Uh, he's got a funny, squeaky little London voice, and yeah. It's out soon. And Roddy Bottom's in it. But not for very long, apparently. Yay! And, uh... Are you cheering that Roddy's not in it for very long? <laughs> no, I was zoning out because I was trying to remember who told me. <laughs> it was, the thing is, I wasn't listening to you because I was trying to think of something. And then you said that and your inflection told my not listening brain to cheer. <laughs> No, uh, I, I was, oh, someone said someone said that it was a great documentary, really enjoyable, and even if you don't already know Sparks, it's still really enjoyable and will. It's a great introduction to the band and make you like them. So yeah, whoever said Edgar, that to I, me, I think Edgar Wright said it. <laughs> well, no, it was definitely someone who had seen. <laughs> it to sell his yeah, no, there was no, there was a legit. Just someone told me because I said, "Is it good?" And they said, "Yeah, that that information I just shared." I'm looking forward to seeing it. I've uh, I've got my tickets for this July date that uh, isn't in front of me in Newtown. They're screening it once only, so that's the date I'm okay. seeing it. Uh, still not as good as Downton Abbey, is it, Lady Violet? <laughs> you amaze me. You have so many Lady Violet sound bites samples to find. To go and grab now. <laughs> Enjoy that. Uh, I, did, I didn't even think of that when I started doing that. Uh. So uh, I guess this is where we can move on. New music. Cool. What new music do you have for us this week, Jim? I th- I've that was actually slurred. got quite a bit, so stick that in your pipe and smoke it. We'll start off with... What could possibly be my favourite album of 2021, which is the record released by Man on Man, featuring Roddy Bottom and Joey Holman. I think it's absolutely astounding. I've only listened to it the once. Can't get enough of it. Uh, I've been putting it on at work, and the lyrics aren't exactly school-friendly, I'm afraid. <laughs> School appropriate. <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, but I, no, I just love it. I love the I love the album. I think my favourite track is probably Beach House. But I also love Stoner, uh, which obviously was released as a single. I think Daddy's great. I think 1983 is great. I just think they're brilliant. I think they're really well written songs. I think there's some cool sounds on there. I think Roddy sounds great. His voice sounds great. Uh, there's some stuff he's done in the past where it's a bit like, but he sounds great on that. And Joey's voice works really well with his. I can't wait to see them live. You know, they're, they're playing live as from next oh, month. Oh, yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. After this month, actually, I think they're playing for Pride towards the end of the month. I think they announced a, a, a gig earlier than the, the their first gig. But they've got a full band together and everything now. Yep. You know, I, I was going to discuss in Faith Them On News, but I might as well discuss it now. So, yeah, they've got a, a full band together, which is awesome. And they are doing a few shows. Let me just uh, pull up my uh, notes here. Um, because they were in a different section. So, yeah, the the first live show they announced was at Riot Fest, the same day Faith No More were playing, but earlier on in the day. Uh, but then they released, they, they announced a second show, 
which is a little earlier, which will be on August the 26th at Elsewhere in New York City. And they've put this band together, and the bass player is the touring bassist from Paramore. Uh, and this also features Michael O'Neill, who's in Roddy's other band, Crickets. Oh, yeah. But yeah, so they've got a full band together, but I think they are playing at the end of June sometime for Pride. But I love the album. I love it. I absolutely adore it. It's my favourite thing that Roddy's released outside of Faith No More. I would probably say ever. Yeah. I, th- I prefer it to Imperial Teen stuff. I, d- I, just, I think it's great. Yeah, same. And that's the thing. I listened to it the once, and I think I was messaging with you because <laughs> I think I was having a few beers at night. And yeah, I, was I think like, you were drunk. Yeah. <laughs> I was checking out the new Man on Man, and I actually really liked it. I just ha- I haven't come back to it. It uh, really reminded me of Placebo, like the 90s. Yeah, the 90s yeah. Placebo. It's got a 90s feel great, to it, definitely. Like, just great guitar riffage on in the song Beach House there's just these fantastic keyboard melodies going on uh, and keyboard sound it's got real kind of like 80s kind of dancey vibe to it as well and and I love it I can't recommend it enough Mm. yeah I I need to I need to give it another listen because I I agree with you I I think I even said this is my favourite thing Roddy's done outside of Faith No More I gave it the one listen and I really liked it and I need to give it another run because it's um it's actually really decent and it it's similar in vibe I, I you know i'm comfortable at you know saying that i didn't really care for crickets that much it's similar in vibe to the imperial teen stuff but just better so my next bit of new music there's been a new song released by faxed head now if oh, yeah. uh, our listeners aren't familiar with faxed faxed head uh it's a band that was around oh well what in 1997 or something like that when they f- first re- uh, released anything, and it's got Trace Bruinson and Greg Turkington, aka Neil Hamburger, um, and they all go by aliases. Trace called Neckhead, and Greg's called Patrick Head or something. But they've released, you know, they've, they've, they're, you know, they're not on a deal, record deal or anything. They just release stuff here and there. But they released this new song called "My Pfizer Nurse," and I think it came out on vinyl, very limited vinyl. And, it, it, look, if you listen to the new Mr. Bungle record and, ra- you know, the Raging Wrath re-recordings and think, this isn't my Bungle, listen to this, because this will tick those boxes for you. Yeah. Because it's bonkers. I was going to say almost exactly that. It's more Bungle than the most recent Bungle. The Bungle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, because you mentioned Greg Turkington, because it really, it's sort of mm. his, it's his band, isn't it? Like, it's sort of, he's the main driver of it. But I think Trace Bruins has been the other consistent in everything they've done uh well yes i've got i've got three new musics that i want to mention and it's three that i'm really excited about okay well i've got one more so you you give us your three and then i'll round it off with mine if you want oh sure look i don't mind but the first one i was going to mention is uh black black midi the band black midi okay uh never heard of them. well there's enlighten, enlighten me well there's a japanese music genre called black midi and it's not it's not that black midi um they're from london oh okay four, i know where that is it yeah from a place called london uh they're a four piece uh if you're into i would say if you're into the disco volante era bungle then it sort of satisfies that sort of sound it's very there's some really jazzy moments to it uh it's it's listenable it doesn't go it doesn't go too weird it doesn't go too weird like it's always 
they're always playing music, uh, but it's it's it does some odd stuff. But the uh, yeah, this new album called Cavalcade is really good. I would liken the singer a little bit to maybe like if you ever heard Morphine, the band Morphine. I think that was sort of nineties, yeah, yeah nineties. Yeah, a bell. Um, yeah. little bit that like the singer's got a bit of a a lower, um, still a bit of a jazz uh, appeal. To what he does, um, but he's got he's got a decent voice. You're not you're not going to get the crazy, ridiculous sort of pattern disco volante vocals, but otherwise, you know, just a good, good, decent voice over some really quirky music. It's very cool. good. Um, my favourite thing at the moment is an EP from Meatwave. 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 Now, they did an album a couple of years ago called The Incessant. Uh, This EP Mm -hmm. is called Volcano Park, and I was just reading up on it yesterday. They said that they were looking to go wild in 2020 with heaps of shows and really work hard on their next album and get inspired from all the shows and things. And they ended up uh, unable to do that. No, they weren't able to tour in 2020 for some reason. And oh. they they got together, yeah. I mean, no one really seemed to play much in 2020, actually. Yeah. But they, they ended up just doing some remote songwriting and they were able to get together a little bit. And then they booked a rehearsal room and we just meant to record a single or a couple of songs and they ended up doing some jam-based stuff and then it was just all solid and so they just did it as an EP. And I love it. The uh, opening track's really decent, I forget the name of it. And the, the closing two tracks go into a real sort of tomahawk vibe. But I would otherwise describe this stuff as being within the noise rock sort of realm. I've just, like I've just found them on Spotify and I'll, I'll check them out. Dude, it's great. I love it. It's really good. And if uh, I've, I've, I could mention something else recently that I compared to Mets. So the Mets, the noise rock. Thing. Mets are sort of the, I, th- I feel like the leaders of that sound at the moment. Uh, mm-hmm. Big Black, Big Black, the Steve Albini sort of world. Uh, it's right in that sort of thing. Uh, Heads, Heads is another band that they're sort of in that that vibe. Um, if it, any Australians, there's um, ah oh, shit, Violent Soho. They're like a good Violent Soho. Violent Soho get fucking annoying. It's like a it's sort of that post-Nirvana sound, really. They don't sound like they're trying to be Nirvana. It's just, it's like, I, I just really want to kid at home that this is one of the ones that I've recommended before that I sincerely really, really love and reckon everyone should listen to Meatwave. Cool. And uh, my last one is a band called Nopes. Like, nope. 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 But more than one nope, it's nopes. Nope. And nope. their new album is called either nope. either Dork or it's Jerk. I don't know because it's it's spelt like Björk, the artist, but there's a D instead of a B. That's the name of this album. So it's yeah, like Jork or Dork or Jerk. So it's an interesting uh, interesting title alone. Um, I want to thank uh, Rick bass player from 8BC for recommending that one to me shout out Rick love to have you on the show love to have you on the show it's uh, he just he just threw this one at me recently and I just put it on and went wow this is really good similar vibe to Meatwave 
still in the noise rock sort of world like gets quite heavy there's some really good distorted bass goes into a bit of a glass jaw vibe got to mention glass jaw at some point um if it's the but yeah this yeah. is an album of just really it's yeah there's some there's some good you know when something hits you with like a, a sound and you screw your face up and you're like oh oh yeah yeah, yeah it does that a few times yeah this nopes nopes jerk nope. door spell it nope. like bjork and then just change the b for a d Nope. that's the album okay yep. all right yep. cool great i've got one more uh and that's the new album from wolf alice called blue weekend which is cool love it yeah it's okay i had to listen yeah all this stuff's got that similar sound to it it's got that good 90s vibe right uh, but i've not got a lot to say in it other than yeah Cool, check it out. I'll tell you what, though, I did listen to a podcast with Bill, and I'm trying. I'm just click. I'm just scrolling through. Oh, is that players' picks uh, or whatever? Facebook. Picks, yeah, picks, that was the one. Picks, yeah, and the the guy never shut up on it. <laughs> he didn't really give Bill a chance to talk at Fuck, all. I wonder how that must have been for Bill. Oh yeah, I wonder how he felt. <laughs> uh, he recommended a band called Twelve Foot Ninja. Now, Twelve Foot Ninja, everybody. I've seen a lot of people talk about them on Mr. Bungle groups and stuff online and that. And I've never really bothered checking them out because I kind of think anybody that sounds like Mr. Bungle can't sound like Mr. Bungle. Does that make sense? Yes. How can anybody sound like Mr. Bungle? Sure. So I did check them out and I thought they were pish. <laughs> I just didn't, didn't like them at all. I th- they sounded more like Limp Biscuit to me. They sounded like a, a bad incubus. But the, And, I mean, you just said, how can someone sound like Mr. Bungle? I'd compare Black Midi to Mr. Bungle, and I just feel like they're a good doing something else. They're like, oh, yeah, we like Mr. Bungle, but we're 12-foot ninja are very much Patton fans. I, they don't sound like Patton. I've seen them live. They're, they're fantastic live, and if okay. uh, I think if you're a if you're a Faith No More and Mr. Bungle fan, you should definitely check out Twelve Foot Ninja, you know, and System of a Down sort of vibe as well. But he's very Patton mm. style in his vocals. He's a great singer, and they're awesome live. But I I I'm a bit with you in the fact that if I listen to Twelve Foot Ninja, it just makes me feel like listening to Faith No More and Mr. Bungle. It doesn't doesn't yeah. feel like it does anything. Of its like it doesn't do anything original for me. Anyway, yeah, that's it for new music for me. Cool. Faith no more news. Well, we've got a lot of faith no more news to get through, Mike. So we'll start off with at the beginning. Todd, it just after we finished recording the last episode. They announced the Faith the More rescheduled tour in the UK, which I think we squeezed in. Had to add that onto the last episode. Oh, didn't yeah, we? yeah, yeah. We, yep, we overdubbed yeah. oh, that. I'm not allowed to tell people that we do stuff like that. So since then, Faith the More have announced rescheduled summer dates in Europe, and they just keep coming. So the best thing for me to do is just read out the new dates that have been announced. So they, the. Okay, so yeah, they announced the new dates in Europe first, which were in Amsterdam, Germany, Sweden, Norway, Finland, Belgium, Germany, Germany, Switzerland, and then they announced Spain and Portugal, uh, Mad Cool Festival, Nos Alive. Then today they announced a French gig uh, uh, in Paris, Hellfest the other day, which has got like, what, 350 bands on? 
something ridiculous. Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Faith No More, all sorts of shit going on there. <laughs> and then they announced some more American dates in... Um, America? Maryland Heights, yeah, yeah, that place. <laughs> Chicago, Pittsburgh, Newport. So, they've, you know, they're now on to like 32 dates, Yay! which is awesome. Yay! It's not far off being a proper full tour, or the biggest tour they've done since 2015, which is proper ace, you know. I, I, and I, I believe there are more to come. Yay! But the, the coolest one, which was announced after we record last episode, is Riot Fest on September the 18th. Faith No More, and as we mentioned earlier, Man on Man are playing on the Saturday. And then Mr. Bungle are playing on the Sunday. Yay! First time that Faith No More <laughs> and Mr. Bungle have ever been yeah, true. in the same planet. Never mind the same lineup, uh, and I think Knotfest. I don't think we mentioned that last episode either. They're playing Knotfest with Slipknot, Megadeth, and Lamb of God. I didn't know that. Yeah, so, right. yeah. So there's all these all these great dates are coming up, and so my second bit of faith. No more news is this is pretty. Are you enjoying my interactions here? Just to show that I'm engaged. Well, you just going yeah. I, I think you're rounding your little new little loft. Going yeah. Well, yeah. I, I, I'm enjoying not, uh, being in a house and not an apartment and being, yeah, yeah. Keep going, cool. Second bit of faith. The more news is yeah. that finally we got to see footage of uh, Courtney Love singing for Faith No More. Yeah, and there's been audio bites of this and photographs of this gig, but. When I posted this, when I um, shared this, which has been my most clicked on post of the year so far, mm-hmm. there were people saying, oh, yeah, I saw this a couple of months ago. I saw this. You didn't. It's not been available in in years. We, You know, we're the biggest Faith Them All fans on the planet, and we've not seen it, and it's yeah. just, you know, it's just come out. Uh, and, biggest. you know, people in our little Faith Them All friends group were having kittens over it. So regardless of what you think of Courtney Love, or Courtney Henley, as she calls herself, in this, this is Faith No More's first ever television interview that's that's on this um, footage as well. <laughs> and you get to hear early versions of Why Do You Bother and Mark Bowen, and obviously Mark Bowen's on guitar as well. And it's yeah. just a fucking amazing piece of Faith No More history. And like I said just now, regardless of what you think of Courtney Love, it's absolutely fantastic to watch this. It's brilliant. Love it. And it's also pretty atrocious at the same time, owed to Courtney Love being shit. Yes. And I mean, it's good. Nobody's no, 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 no going to deny that, but... You must watch once. Just listening to the songs, man. Just listening to yeah, the... Yeah, true, true. You know, the, the bass and the drums. I just Mike Borden is f- phenomenal on it. And how old Mike would Borden he have been is in, so Mike in Borden. 1984? Yeah, his, his style's already there. And like you said, Mark Bowen playing Mark Bowen's pretty cool. Even though the vocals are different, yeah. But yeah, it's awesome. And if you haven't seen it, you can go to fnmfollowers.com and check it out. And it's a, just a glorious piece of Faith No More history. Uh, uh, so, moving on. We've got... Bill took part in two podcasts, the one I mentioned earlier. And he also did one on Rock Tombulus, I think it's called. I think it's a Brazilian we- website, media rock media page. And he did, he did a bit of an interview on there as well, which was pretty cool. Um, and then Mike Patton and Scott Ian and Andreas Kisser did an interview with Brazilian journalists Regi Tadu. I haven't watched this one yet. Paulo Baron. It's it's pretty cool. Uh, but the the great thing is they get talking about the Guns N' Roses 
um, Faith No More tour. And this little myth that keeps going around that Faith No More shit in Axl Rose's orange juice. It's been debunked before by Bill and by Stefan Chirazi. Uh, but Mike Patton's never spoke about it before, but he does actually speak about it. And he says it's not, not true. true. No, not, no not, not true. Pero, no. pero, <laughs> I did, I did piss on his, um, he had a, how do you say, a teleprompter. Like a, like a, un, un yes. screen, no? Yes, yeah, screen, uh, yeah, teleprompter. And, like, one day I was just, like, so bored. Like, it was just, like, such a drag touring with those guys. I hate, I hate to say it. They treated us like shit. Uh, they paid us really well, but we were like really just every day, like looking for something fucked up to do. And so like one, <laughs> one day, like I just took it out and I'm like, Wee! and I like pissed all over his, his, um, teleprompter. Um, so yeah. And he also confirms a story, which it, it, I think people get muddled up that Patton did actually shit in L7's juice while they were on tour together. And that's a oh. different story, he says. And then he, he also recalls a, a, a time that he stuffed shit in a chocolate cake for Guns N' Roses, but Guns N' Roses didn't take the bait, and uh, he had to stop one of his own crew from eating it instead. So, yeah, there's some <laughs> co- really cool little tales there, and I love these these stories from, from, the, 90, from the 90s, when Patton was a shit terrorist. Love all that stuff. But it's a great little interview. Check it out. And, yeah, you'll find it on YouTube. Or if you can't be asked looking on YouTube, just go on fnmfollows.com and you'll find a link on there. And that, cool. my friend, is the end of Faith No More News for this episode. Woo! So next episode, we're returning to Angel Dust. We're going to be talking about track seven, Malpractice. That'll be fun. Yeah, it will be a lot of fun. Because if you remember back a few episodes ago when we, when we were talking about the Angel Dust story, I put a halt on the story and I said I was going to bring it back in this episode and I thought we were going to discuss in more depth the metamorphosis of Mike Patton um, from the long-haired <laughs> pin-up of the real thing to the um, greasy-haired petrol pump attendant of Angel Dust. Yeah, you know, the metamorphosis of him, his his appearance, his attitude, his attitude uh, to the public, to the press, and his most of all his lyrics. And so obviously, probably- Matt Patton is the first song to feature on a Faith No More album that Patton wrote. Uh, sorry, my practice. Yeah, you might say it's it's lining up to be our most Patton centric episode. I think it will yes. be. I do yep. think it will be. And yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. Should be a good one. Cool. So if you want to talk about malpractice, if you want to write to us and talk about malpractice, you should email us at podcastcroissant at gmail.com. Yeah, so definitely, yeah, write in. Sea Dog, we want to hear from you. Sea Dog to bone. Sea Dog to bone. Definitely got to write in. We want Sea Dog, my new favorite um, podcast croissant fan. We need you writing in again, Sea Dog. Ben Brown, I want and to play Kim your jingle as again. Well. Kim, that was a great email from Kim, if you remember Kim's email. <laughs> so yeah Kim yeah, definitely Kim. write in Wendy Copley we want you writing in again uh, Matty Hinchcliffe we'd love to hear from you obviously Ben Brown you get your own jingle 
Um, uh, whatever you write in. And if you've if you're a long time listener, never time writer, and you've been thinking about writing, write to us yeah, about right, write to us. Yeah, even if you want to have a go at us, if you want to say that I'm an annoying. What did someone call me? An annoying little Yorkshire. I think that was Jack your wife Black or something. Oh, all right, keep them keep them brief. We've had some good brief emails recently. Just good yeah. succinct. Keep them get funny. To the point. Keep them funny. Keep them yeah. brief. If you've got a really ridiculous name, definitely definitely right. Yeah. If you haven't. Just make one up. And and if you want to, do a, do a short little voice memo. Chuck us a little voice memo. Do a little, just all you got to do is just use your little voice recorder on your phone. Send us that file. Let's hear, let's hear from you. How do you feel about all this, Lady Violet? No, oh, I'm quite looking forward to it. You're a big podcast croissant fan, aren't you? I've spent many happy evenings without understanding a word. The thing is to keep smiling and never look as if you disapprove. Excellent, thank you. Thanks, Lady Violet. She's contributed more to this episode than me. She has. She really has. Well, we got excited just there. Yeah, we did, didn't we? We ended, on, ended yeah. on a good we ended, note. We ended on excitement. But I'll tell you what, now... That was me ending on a good note. I think I need a shower. Okay. That's a good note. Can you do that note? Can you do that note? I think I need a shower. Okay, that's cool. Just do that note with me. That's ending on a good note. You've been listening to Podcast Croissant. This is Mike. And this is Jim. And I think I need a shower. Another shower. I've got to look my best for Mike and be clean everywhere. Hoppy! Increasing hoppy! I spilt my coffee. (laughs) I thought you really needed a shower. (laughs) I need a shower.